This podcast is brought to you by Open Mic Stand Up Comedy. That's right. It's open. That means anybody can perform. Doing what? Anything. As long as they use the mic. Open Mic. Now, I did open mic comedy in Chicago. I highly recommend that. You get four minutes. You have to wait <laughs> before you, have the, you get to go on stage. You need to wait for an hour, sometimes two hours. And in that time, you can meet people, and uh, they can become your friends or even people you follow on Instagram for the rest of your life. Uh, so this episode is brought to you by Open Mic Comedy. Go to comedyofchicago.com to view open mic comedy opportunities in Chicago. Uh, I'm sure there's a similar page in the city that you live in and you can meet uh, very, very talented people who will be on TV someday and also um, people who need some mental health assistance. Um, crazy people who need someone to talk to or listen to or somewhere to be warm for a couple hours in a free situation. So that's the sponsor. Today's guest is Max Friedman. Max is my oldest friend in comedy. We met, as we discuss, like the first week of comedy. And um, uh, we've done everything together from open mics to shows to um, talking shit for hours and hours and hours. Um, Max is, was my comedy friend. So Max always worked as hard or harder than I was. So if, he, if I was doing something for comedy, he was also doing something for comedy that night and we could talk about it um we bonded over food we love getting expensive food <laughs> together i don't know if we talk about that that much in this episode but um me and max have gone to some incredibly expensive dinners together because he's like a gourmet he loves i think he must have mentioned food at some point but um he's obsessed with uh like michelin star restaurants he's worked at some i've worked at one um, but we like to take edibles and go to really expensive meals. We went to 11 Madison Park in New York City, which is like the most, it was the high, highest rated restaurant in the country at one point. Um, and it's the most expensive meal I've ever had. Uh, and it was amazing. We could do a whole other podcast on that. But like course after course, duck breast, souffle, truffles, uh, they bring you the bill and they bring you a bottle of apple brandy and two glasses and they go, here's the bill and you can have as much of this brandy as you want. And that's a good, I think that's a good move. Um, because when you're paying $300 for dinner, uh, you might want to have some brandy when you put your card down. I think it's a smart move on, on their part. So Max, yeah, I've known, I know next Max for six years now. I started doing comedy six years ago, so I've known Max for six years. And over the course of that, our relationship has changed a little bit as his relationship with comedy changed. Um, he started to kind of sour on it, uh, as we'll discuss. He sort of backed away from it. He went to um, Vietnam uh, with his girlfriend, which he mentioned. Um, and that was after I had moved to New York. So I moved to New York uh, about two years ago now, in 2018. And... Um, uh, Max had already kind of stopped doing comedy in 2018. So at that point, we were just kind of uh, communicating not very much uh, over text here and there. Anyway, he's a unique character, as you're going to hear. He's a very, very interesting guy to talk to, one of my favorite people to talk to ever, because he's verbose. He's able to uh, explain himself uh, with eloquence about any topic, uh, especially when he's passionate about it. So... Um, uh, and I like to just keep up with him. I like to just 
stay there and ask him questions and clarify and bring something up because he'll just talk. It's great. Um, so Max, yeah, after a while, Max had just kind of quit, had kind of quit comedy. Um, and I respect that when someone quits comedy, so a lot of people kind of fade away and you'll, you, if you know comedy people, you'll see that you'll like kind of fade away. Um, and they just, uh, oh, they haven't been on a show for a while. And then now they haven't been on a show for two years. Now they haven't done comedy in a year. You know, they don't do it anything. Um, or they just do, you know, their one, their one show that they do a week. Anyway, Max is not that guy. Max is a guy who says, uh, I'm not doing comedy anymore. I'm refusing, uh, bookings. And I just don't go. Um, which I respect. It's a much rarer thing. The self-aware comedy quit. Uh, so this is kind of a discussion of that. And, um, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's sort of a testament to Max relationship between max and i because i am a positive person and max is a cynic or a realist however you want to define it but i am uh pretty relentlessly positive and i i'm always kind of trying to keep max on the positive side and um he is uh ultimately cynical or realistic or whatever um but very intentionally so and very uh eloquently so so I think he's one of my favorite. He's is it's well worth a listen. He was one of my first people I wanted to talk to for this podcast. He lives in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, which is near Milwaukee, with his parents and his girlfriend. And I drove up there. It was one of my first stops on the legitimate. Um, I live in a van now tour. I got to show him my van, um, and we kind of walked around. And I, I stayed there uh, at his place. We talked in his backyard, um, and we had some Heinekens and uh we chatted for almost almost two hours uh and he's got a whole new life now and a whole new sort of perspective on it but he's the same old max um and i love him so awesome to talk to him so enjoy my conversation with max friedman um take it away steve This is called Down by the River with Terrence Hartnett. Oh, is it always outdoors? Mm, uh, it should be, probably, yeah, because of the pandemic. Yeah, I think outdoors is best. What are you going to do when you're in the south and all you have are strangers? I'll talk to them. Oh, you talk to the strangers? Yeah, I'd love to. Honestly, like uh, connecting with people in any regard is like going to be very important to my mental health in general and also to uh, creating that content. That'd be kind of neat. I think it would be neat. Talk to a strange man. Well, I found on the, on the road trip I went to, I went on a road trip about a, for like about a month, and anybody who you see like um, hiking on a trail or like in any kind of special place, like you kind of have something to talk about right away. Like, oh, oh you wow. also came here. Like, what what's up? With, where are you from? Where did you come here from? And how have you been enjoying it? Where are you going next? Um, that's that's like a so natural not how my instincts are. Yeah, and I didn't at first, but then it's like I've just been f- fucking sitting with Mike in a car for so long. You poor um, thing. I'd love to talk to somebody. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, and it's nice to. Did nice you guys to get along chat. your whole trip? Yeah, really did. You got um, along your whole trip. I'm I'm good at coexisting with people. I can get it like I'm good at like okay. I think now is the time for about three hours of silence. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah, I remember we went on the road one time and you were like we should go to libraries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember one time we were like sitting in like Akron and we were eating a raw cucumber in a car, <laughs> in your car. And then you're like, we should just go to a library and read. 
yeah and it was good it was good because we were just sitting in the car like watching um these like university students walk by and like just people living their lives and we were like we have nothing to do until 8 30 tonight it's we like a strange one. bookstore good what was that like i can't remember that it had a bunch of um odd rooms do you remember that place? Um, no. I forgot about that until just now. Little basements stuff? It was, was it very you big. You went upstairs and it was like all these separate. It was as if you were in a house, but every wall was like clad in books that people don't buy. God, I love places like that. Right, they're all a dollar. What is it, What is that business it's model? It's strange. Like, I don't ever go to a bookstore and I'm like, maybe I'll read two pages of a bunch of books until I want to buy one. Like, I always know what I want to buy. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. I like browsing. You go to a bookstore and you pick there? I browse. I will browse like um, I'll be like, let me go see what Vonnegut's they have. Or if I like know an author, I'll go look. Or if it's like um, something will jump out at me that I've heard a lot about and it's like, oh, it's six bucks. I might as well buy it. Or like an author that I like and I haven't heard of this book before. Flip through it. It's four bucks. Low commitment. That's what I, it's like. It's like, yeah, go go ahead. Do it. Huh. Um, so what are your segments? No segments. <laughs> <laughs> I love podcast segments. <laughs> there seems to be two schools of thought. It's like over-segmented, over-edited, and then like absolutely no editing at all. Unless you like make a swear. no editing at all. Me too. I'm always like, yeah, go for it. Keep talking. I'm, I'm just doing dishes here. become like so – I don't think I'm bored with the format. I think that things have just gotten boring. Like I don't want to hear a – I, I mean, I certainly don't want to hear someone talk about stand-up. Sometimes I'll listen to one. I'll listen to WTF or something. But, like, every, everyone <laughs> just talks about, like, COVID. Oh, my God, I know. And I get it. It's a big it's deal. It's also true in life where it's just like, when do you guys think this is going to be wrapping up? Or, like, what, do you, what, kind of, what kind of masks have you been wearing? All that stuff is just trash yeah, conversation. 2020 is really bad. It's a bad year. It's like, okay, I hate Trump. It's really okay. Bad. Everybody dislikes <laughs> Trump. He's done the same stuff for four years. I remember when Trump was elected, going to get pizza with Noodleman, and Noodleman was like, um, "Noodleman is a is a man named Joe Noodle Noodleman, not a uh, not a noodle man." <laughs> well, I remember he's like, "It's gonna be the end of the republic. It's gonna be the end of the republic." But then he liked him eventually, didn't I he? I wouldn't be surprised if he's gonna vote for him. Yeah, but he just is like conservative now. The end of the republic. I think he probably just won't vote. There you go. I just like. But it's been a big year for you. You came back from. No, you didn't. You came back from. <laughs> what is this? Cause, what are you laughing at? Because this is me. I'm at your, your newscaster. Segway. <laughs> well, that's been a big year for you. This is. I'm like. I am. That's what's so funny. It's, it's like. You sound like a, a morning show interviewer. I know, but it's. This is the way that I like to talk. This is the how I talk. You know me. Like, it's not like it's. You know I'm not putting it on. This is I just I just this is how I talk to people. Give me another Heineken. Okay. Now. <laughs> Do it now. I was saying it's a bit of a big year for you. You changed careers, right? You you're looking you're looking to doing the CNA stuff last year. Nur- certified nursing assistant, which you're doing now. Yeah, I mean, I hope to not do it forever. Although I'm liking it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um You're working as a um, you're working as a certified nursing nursing assistant, and it's better than you thought it was going to be. Well, I was you're doing really it. dreading it. I was like, I did not want to do it at all. I was like, I'm going to have to deal with this for like two years until I can 
go to grad school but it's like kind of good like people are so nice to you and like like you're a waiter and it's like the if you want you can make someone have like a decently nice evening right you can improve their evening yeah and they'll like shake your hand yeah if you try hard as a cna then you are taking someone you are like shepherding their final experiences of life and turning them from gray dismal like some of the worst things a human could experience into something where they're like where it's like pleasant and comfortable and they they express gratitude really oh yeah can you tell can you can you like yeah, can you talk about that? Can you provide an example? That's so crazy. Like, I, I guess I'm not surprised. I had a patient, this lady named Mary, who reminded me of my grandma. I don't know what she was in there for, but she was, like, fairly confused. She was being combative with people. And I was just, like, decently nice to her when I had her. And then the next day, I was, like, shifted over, like, one. You, you take, like, a segment of the floor that you're on, whatever. And I didn't have her the next day. And I went in the next day. Anyway. I went in anyway, just because I wanted to say hi to her. Uh -huh. And she's like, oh, what are, you, what are you doing here today? And I was like, oh, I just want to say hi, see how you're doing. And then she just talked to me about, like, her grandson and then and, and stuff. And then she was expressed gratitude. And then, like, all of a sudden, she like, I saw her when she was admitted. And she was, I mean, it's terrifying to be in a hospital. Yeah. Like, you're really, and it's a really awful place. Yeah. Um, and you can really put people at ease and the people that are in there are extraordinarily confused like they're, they're, <laughs> they are about what they will like, they're are they like mentally you generally not don't need to be in a hospital if you're all there mentally yeah like you kinda, okay. you think of a hospital as a place where someone goes where they like break their arm yeah and that's because that's the only time you would go to a hospital right but the reality is that the hospitals are primarily populated by elderly people that are like slipping Mentally. Or or people yeah. that are I mean I deal with a lot of like recovering alcoholics who are like in their fifties or sixties, and that's yeah. that's the craziest thing. But and those people are not grateful towards you because those people have you, you, like you can drink yourself to the like the point where you are like so severely mentally impaired. Say subhuman. Say it. You are. Subhuman. <laughs> I mean, you can't speak. Like the guy. There's this guy that I've been dealing with. I, I think I told you about him. Who he, has, he for the rest of his life he has to wear mitts on his hands, so he can't use his hands, or else he'll ruin his body. Because he'll hurt himself. Yeah, and they, we just I just had to before my shift ended last night. I needed to transfer him to a bed that's like an adult crib, so he's in this industrial like grade netting that he just has to be in. And they're like, yeah, I think this is gonna be his baseline. Oh my god! Like he's not gonna get, he's not gonna move past crib. No, and he's like in the crib. He How old is he? My name. He's 63. Um, and he's like, um, he thinks he has rocks in his hands. And it's like. Like they're mitts, dude. They're not rocks. Those are mitts. And it's just alcohol. Woo. Yeah. Um, I pour my whole Heineken on the ground. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. It is strange to have a beer after seeing that. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's like, like, I'll take a small amount of that, though. Well, like. One of these guys, who, another guy like him, he told me today that um, he, or no, on his chart I read, drinks a bottle of vodka a day. Nice. And he is, his mom admits him almost exactly monthly to withdraw from alcohol. And when he does that, he loses his mind. Right. 
and then he gets off it then he quickly starts drinking and he's been doing this for over two years almost every month once a month oh my his God. mom like i don't know i met her today i don't know how old she is but she's like she's old um he's he's like in his 50s but he seems really old and it's nuts so that's the part that's like that's a part of that that's not rewarding obviously dealing with dealing with these people is there's not. an unfortunate unfortunately too much of it is that yeah because so much of why people are in the hospitals is because of they didn't take preventative measures in their lives yeah they didn't exercise they didn't like not drink to excess but, but you're all, you're also in a specific you said you're an internal medicine i mean internal medicine yeah which is just like grab bag Right. I mean, like that's such that's the most vague thing ever. I, mean, I like, imagine this is very boring for someone to listen. Yeah, to yeah it's important to I think feel about. Like that kind I've of thing. embraced um, domesticity. I, re- I reckon with of being a very boring person now. Yeah, before yeah. I think I was fairly. I could I could give a pretty interesting like elevator pitch for myself, and now I'm like now it's just like oh I'm like a me- I'm like I'm afraid to tell people about like what I did all my twenties, and not just stand up, just the fact it's like. I used to do architecture, then I started doing stand-up, and now I'm, like, trying to be a medicine. Like, I'm a fucking mess. <laughs> how it's, do you... It's, I, feel, I feel like it's shameful. Give me the elevator pitch of for your 20s. What do you, like, how do, how, do you, how do you see it in the best light possible? Because you've changed... Cause you, okay, so, yeah, because, like, you, you, you left comedy maybe, what, a year-ish ago? I don't see it as a... I don't see it positive. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, th- I think that it was interesting. Like, I did a lot of interesting things. I had a lot of fun and a lot of different experiences. Yeah. I think that there's value in that. I think that there's, like, I think when you do something repetitively, time passes very quickly. And when you do a lot of different things, then time kind of slows down. And, uh, there's this Silver Jews lyric I really like where he says, Anchor lets you see the river move. Whoa. Okay. Okay, so... It's a good anchor lets you see the river move. What does that mean? It means if you are you don't put the anchor down at various points, you're not even aware the river is moving. But you put it down and all of a sudden you can see all of the the complexities of water moving okay. uh, throughout time and it's pretty. Oh nice. Okay. So um, you've um so your anchor is I've anchored Wauwatosa. A times. Okay. <laughs> now, now I'm anchored. Your anchor we we're, we're at your parents' house in Wauwatosa. Um uh, you let me stay here, which is really nice. This is my first stop, basically, after Chicago and Indiana. Um, and it's so interesting to see you in this new context, because I knew you for so long as <laughs> my open mic buddy. I met you, like, our first month doing open mics, probably, I think. I think it was before then. I remember before meeting our you first at... Month? Um, like, it was within the first week or two. It was within my first week. I don't know about for I you. I think it was. What was it? It like was my July? third mic because I can remember my first few pretty vividly. But it was like it was your um, third mic. I well, you know what? I don't know if I met you that night. Okay. No, I met you my second week. I saw you my first week at this mic that was at an improv theater where there was a showcase before. It was run by Sydney Davis Jr. Jr. Um, the Second City mic, no? No, it wasn't Second Green, City. Green Street or Green, Green Street, Point or something. Green, that which doesn't exist, hasn't existed for years. Yeah. It was in um, a weird little room. I remember Miles Hendricks was throwing stuffed animals yes. at people at the mic. And yes. I was like, stop this. Stop that. Well, that's his bit. That is his... He yes. goes. He goes to the laugh after he goes, I hope they have some stuffed animals up there. Otherwise, I have nothing to do. <laughs> but uh, figuratively speaking, he's always doing some version of that. Because he's never just moving gently through a series of jokes yeah 
with that like dotted with interactions and improvisation. He's not. He doesn't. He can't just do ten minutes. And this brings me to the uh, the first the first um, the first segment of the podcast is let's critique. <laughs> Let's critique uh, the comedy of someone who quit comedy three years ago who nobody knows. Yeah, he quit before me. He quit before you. But he was such a dick. Yeah, God. good. Hey, Miles. <laughs> this is going to be a huge thing. How I'm sad afraid. would it be if he listened to this? That would be sad. I mean, he knows, <laughs> he knows he what he did. Us talking about I him know. And he'd be like, I bet everybody's talking about me still and, and then, they hate me. And then me dismissing him is like, that's not good pod, Max. <laughs> that's not good pod, you know? <laughs> no one wants to hear about me. Our relationship is the pod, you know? I want to hear about our meeting. Okay, so the, the third, I was the second. It was the second week of you doing comedy. I remember talking about how we didn't have friends in comedy. Yeah, we were with that guy Noah Baisden, yeah, who always wore headphones. Yes, um, and we were at Weeds. Weeds, where yeah, Connor Colley's mic, and uh, yeah, and then we were um, chatting because we, we, we had to wait in Chicago. You have to wait for like hours before the mic starts in order to get a good spot. Isn't that true everywhere? No, no, no. They use lottery systems most places, or they rig it. Like. I guess all of Denver is like rigged. You go sign up, and then the host just makes the show. Like he goes, "This is the order of the mic." I like um, that. That's like crazy because then you get like, like these that. power moves. Yeah, like, that's these fun. insane. People so you can really be know mean. You, yeah, and you if you understand. run the mic, you get a little kick. Exactly. Yeah. yeah See, I, that's where I, it's I'm at. I'm a fan of that. That's I was. A, I like to bump really. Um, mm. Bumping is going ahead of people. Yeah. <laughs> this is for your TikTok fans. That's right, baby. <laughs> But I, I always like to just do it willy-nilly. Like if someone came in, I had a crush on them, or Boom. they were bad. Yeah. Uh, just throw them up right away. <laughs> <laughs> throw them up. You're an agent of chaos. You're, yeah. you're, you're the stand-up comedy open mic joker. Yeah, um, that was fun. Um, but that's before – let's go – before you got entirely jaded and, um, and you were earnestly pursuing comedy, we were very close – we were close friends the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I understood you in that context, and then we moved on to like running our own shows, and then eventually you were petering out. And then how do you think? How do you how do you see the trajectory of the comedy that you were doing? How do you how do you how do you looking back? Do I you don't care? think I enjoyed doing stand up very much. I think it was all just competition for me, and it was all just this feeling of like if I put in a lot of time to this, then people will. I don't know if they'll like me, but they'll sort of like give me some form of respect and I'll feel like a member of this thing. Yeah. And architecture was the same way. And I wound up quitting both after gaining like a similar amount of clout. Yeah. In both. What kind of, how much clout? Would Not you say? all. Not all the clout. Like but some. Some. And <clears throat> enough where you could see how the sausage was made. You could see who yeah. gets clout and how. Sure. And it wasn't pretty. Is that how you right. think of it? And maybe? it was like neither of them I really wanted. I liked the thing that much. You do like comedy though, don't you? I no. maybe I'm projecting onto you. Okay. No, I'm course really I'm like don't. you love comedy. I like um I like a lot of the people, like most of the people I really enjoy. And I just like the bizarreness of it. But and I the camaraderie in the community. We were talking about that last night. The community is um, makes makes it worth it, even if you don't get, even if you're not good, right? Yeah, and, and like I, I started doing a good amount of like I'd probably be doing like two or three one nighters a month for like one year in the middle of the end, and and it was like paying okay on top of a day job. Yeah, you know, and it was like, but I'd like go to a show with like timmy witzel or 
just like some guy I kind of know that I like message to do the thing and they'd pay me like 150 bucks and I'd do 20 minutes and I hated it. Because <laughs> like, last night you asked me, you're like, so you like doing shows? And I was like, I love doing shows. Like some of my best memories, some of the best feelings I've had in my life have been on stage no, doing a, a show. I'm a white guy. Yeah, you said I like. I'm gonna quote you. You said I I like being the rat king of an open mic. Yeah, that's fun. Now, what does that mean, uh, rat king of an open mic? It means being all um, distant and putting on this without knowing you're doing it, but then thinking about it later, putting on this affect of like, aw- like f- false humility and being in. Um, being nice to new people and being weird around medium people okay. and being respected by the people that are above you and I do love being bumps. nice to a new person. I love I, I do love like the being gracious and being like man if someone did that to me like even in New York starting out like I'm I'm fucking 27 28 in New York and someone nods at me like hey man like I'm like yes that's nice that's it. Isn't that so crazy? A nod, and it could make my night. It could make make it worth going to the place that I went to. How insane is that? And so, like, you know, giving it in Chicago, knowing that and giving it back to people. Yeah, that makes you feel good. You're part of a com- you're a leader of a community. I remember going. I don't know if I told you the story, but I had a friend at a waiter job I had, and we were working brunch, and then after, and he was trying to go home with this girl that we worked with. And oh, because you're servers, and that's what we're, they do. We're servers, yeah. So you have to, yeah, uh, you have to have sex with somebody on, in the staff. Yeah, <laughs> I never, I never did. Yeah, um, well, that's why you had to quit. <laughs> <laughs> they go, come on, Maxie. <laughs> um, but he, he was like, "What are you doing?" Because I just went to a bar. I was writing, and I was going to go to Three Dead Moose this Sunday, Mike. Yeah. And he's like, "Okay, well, me and whatever her name was are, we're going to come to your show." Um, and I was like, "Okay, fine." And I like went to the show and the, the, not the show the open mic and yeah. it was like a regular sunday night and like all these people were coming to say hi to me and coming to kiss hand. the ring right yeah and it's like it's not that i was the only one like there i'm, sh- I'm sure that like other like people that book shows were at that open yeah. mic but the the girl that the my friend brian was trying to court came up to me and she's like are you like a celebrity <laughs> and you're like uh yes I mean, in in a, in this in this specific, very no, very I just specific put on context. That affect, I was like, oh no, it's like this is just it's just the way that it's, <laughs> you know, it's just I I I I I I you fake a stutter. And in your mind, but in your mind, you were like, yeah. In your mind is like, I have something more than an average person, and I'm kind of special. How do you see that now? I think I did have something more than the average person because I think that community is rare amongst most people in like contemporary society yeah um i don't think i was special i think that you just a lot of there are comics of course that just love doing stand-up and they get good because they work hard at something they like i think there's more especially in like sort of the medium tier of like showcase showcasers that like they're just doing they, they just have this like soft garden variety like narcissism where if they weren't doing mics <laughs> they'd be like at their like parents house and they'd just be like man everyone just isn't recognizing me and i'm meant for greatness and why <laughs> hasn't this worked out and i think that some a select few of that type of very common soft narcissist yeah like find their way to stand up and they can they can leverage that 
um, like, I need to show people how good I am to work hard for a while. And yeah. if you do that, you'll get, you'll, you'll, go, you'll go farther than the average, like, crazy open micer. Right, of course. It's and a bunch of crazy people. It's really crazy people. Yeah. And then and then those people will be like, oh, hey, Max, like, how are you doing? It's, it's the internal medicine wow. wing of, of performance art. Are you writing some new jokes? Wow, that's cool. That's I so saw you cool. on a show. I like your stuff, man. I like that new bit about uh, cake pops. And then you pretend to not care and you kind of care. You also kind of feel uncomfortable. And then when they when they compliment that. you, you mean? Yeah. Okay. When this, this kind of soft narcissist. Are you a soft narcissist? Because I am. <laughs> I think I'm. Yeah, I am. But I think no, I might be leading towards a. I'm a, like a, a semi-hard narcissist. I'm trying to not be. Yeah. Okay. So th- you you think that this turn that you've made here? Um, first of all, you went to Vietnam for six months. I went all over all over Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia. It's all Vietnam to me. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I, mean, I, uh, I just did that because I wanted to eat a bunch of food and. But you also didn't have you didn't pay any mind to what it would do for your quote unquote stand up comedy career. No, I, I view going quit. as a as a bookend. Okay. Like I had a you were in New York at the time, but like I had a party Sharon and I had a party um before we left yeah. where we brought as ma- as many people that could come on a Monday night. We just had a party at my apartment and I viewed that as like my Okay, I'm done with stand up after this. Okay. Did you say that at the time? I think yeah, I I mean I it wasn't like deliberate. I certainly didn't put it in like the invite. Right. But I just said we're going to this place, like whatever. Um And you had been fizzling sort of with comedy. Oh, for like two years. Yeah, you're right. Two years. I was best at stand up during the fizzling period. <laughs> Um, when I was going really hard, I was fine, but I was not as good. I, w- I don't think I was that great even at the end, but I was like good. And like, I think the reality is, is like Chicago showcases are not that great. Yeah. Like you run out of good people to book, especially if you're trying to book the like non-headliner spot. Yeah. You run, it doesn't matter who, what you're trying to get. Like you're going to run out of funny people and you're going to wind up putting up people that it's like, well, I like this person. Right. They're fine. Yep. They haven't done it. They've they been won't around. ruin the show. Yeah, that's, that, that that's was our, so that much was one of bookings. the things that we had an argument about. Where it's like, are we booking them because they won't ruin the show, or because they'll be good for the show? And uh, the answer is, let's just book them. Like when book we, I, I in my head, I don't know if everyone agreed with me, but I certainly pushed for this at the beginning of Colleen, where I was like, I want the standard to be that we only book people that are as good or better than us yeah that we have to be the worst people on the show and i don't think we a lot like the majority i was the i think the most experienced comic like just time wise on colleen and um, colleen was a comedy show (laughs) yeah weirdly it was very poorly named no matter what anyone says it was a stupid no it's a good name everyone always says that i always hated it colleen confusing yeah sure okay it works people went it sounds like we're the name. like a band that's trying to get mentioned on Pitchfork. Yeah, it's cool. It's, I mean, it's different than other show names is what I like it's, about it. Sure. Um, anyway. But so very quickly, we couldn't do that. Okay, right. And like the majority of the comics have been doing stand-up for less than like a year and a half at the time. And, you'd and it's like, how can this be the case? It's not like we, we could have a lot of shows where everyone was as good or better than us. But pretty quickly, we couldn't. And you have to be repeating people pretty quickly. We would repeat people all the time. Yeah. To get through. Especially towards the end, it was like, yeah, just do it. I don't care. Just do it. 
Because you stopped caring. When oh, did you yeah. when did you stop caring? <laughs> Probably like two years in. Two years into doing it, you had had gotten some success. That's what I th- that's my, that that is my theory. Is like you you get up the mountain and then you can see from the top of the mountain you can see how you got there, and it isn't that impressive to you anymore. I mean, it's a pretty measly mountain. I got to and the that's top what I'm of. saying. And that, and, yeah. and, but you didn't know until you're on top. I yeah. Think, right. Because I mean, at first it was like we were like. Oh my God! These these comics who were at the Laugh Factory, these comics who were headlining, like, you know, one of them talked to me, whatever. One of them talked to me, and like, uh, you know, like they, they were role models, heroes. They were they were like, you know, we talk about them all the time. Well, I, I remember, yeah, because you come in and the the people at the top of the scene seem like titans, God, like superheroes. Yes. And I I remember the the moment where remember that French girl. Yes. So, so she's, she doesn't get named by, by name, although Miles Hendricks, Blondette, right? Blonde, yeah. So she was into me for like a week yeah. until she realized that this is this is crazy. This is she does she had an idea of what I was that is not what I was. Isn't that too bad? Um, I guess it's so much better so to let them have the also idea. Like a child. She was young. Um, yeah. Um, but young and French. But I met Natalie Joes through her, who at the time was one of the like headliners yeah. of the scene, and I always got along with Natalie after that. But I remember like going to hang out with her. Natalie, Natalie wanted us to be this like item so bad. She liked the idea of you it. and Blanette. Yeah, yeah. So um, I remember like going to hang out with like Natalie and the Putterbaugh sisters and like Marty DeRosa and like just people like that and Sam Priest because he was dating Natalie at the time. A um, huge deal. And I remember thinking, like, wow, I'm, like, in one of these places yeah. where these are, like, the cool people that, like, do all these shows and, like... And there's the cocaine on the coffee and, table and everything. And they're so upset. <laughs> they were all in... They were all so incredibly unhappy. <laughs> and from that point on, like... Oh, this is what you, this is what did it for you. This was this was the this really cracked something. Okay. Where I was like, th- there isn't a threshold I'm going to pass where things are great because I think that there's like a wonderful phase at the beginning of standup where it really feels like like man, I just gotta work really hard. I gotta like be a good guy, and I gotta like, I just gotta try really hard and like put my best foot forward, and then I'm going to cross some threshold yep. that exists in my mind and then some and then in life will become euphoric euphoric you'll you'll cross into the into nirvana into the uh into the, like the the valhalla the um the ultimate right. e- life and experience not only does that threshold not exist but when you get to the other side or even just get a glimpse at the other side That's of it. what you thought it was you realize that oh i just finished the closest thing that I will ever be in to that period I was imagining. You finished it. I finished it. That's okay. The, as soon as you get a glimpse of the fact that the other side doesn't exist, you realize that it was only in envisioning this wonderful thing that will happen to me that I was brought joy from. This it's already process. over. It's over at that <laughs> moment. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you're you're like you're nostalgic for this time period where <laughs> you, you, you were where you weren't happy you weren't yeah but you realize that was the best that i was going to get from this because and of the hope that, yeah and then and then you find yourself occupying this space at the open mic of this person that you used to you used to uh, 
look up to yeah and you realize like oh the reason that person was distant and confident <laughs> is because they were in a very odd mental state <laughs> of dissatisfaction and a in this vista of a gray future <laughs> They just turned 30. That person, <laughs> whoever it was you admired at an open mic when just you were 24, turned just turned 30. Yeah. And they're having a crisis. Sure they And they're are. getting booked kind of a lot. Yeah. They're not working as much. And probably their bookings are dropping off. Because <laughs> there's only so many places that'll book you. And then, you know what I mean? Like, and then they... Like, I remember like the, the feeling of like, oh, I had a great week. I had five shows. Then they go, okay, let's well, five shows. They're not going to... They're all not going to book me for another three months minimum. Maybe six. And yeah. so it's like a big week means a slow month. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a weird cycle. It's a small town. There's only so many Well, then the, spots. I mean, really what you should do if you just, like, love doing stand-up is just pursue clubs. Yeah. Because a club will just book you over and over and over again, multiple times a week to big crowds. But clubs are terrible. Why? Because it's awful. It's like the worst place I'd ever hoped to be. It's just it feel it's just sticky <laughs> you know yeah i, do. I always felt that, like the laugh factory felt like the mixture of like a nursing home and a casino <laughs> i found it to be terrifying i hated just architecturally i thought it was so soul crushing <laughs> and every time i was there i just was like i want to be at blarney stone yeah so but, but if you get into the but I was never I was never like a weekend I would book shows in the middle of the week at the Laugh Factory but I, I was never one of these guys that did like three Friday Saturday Sunday shows right. or five Friday Saturday Sunday shows right. or whatever and like it's like yeah I probably would have dealt with it for for a time maybe not I don't know there's lots of people that like got there at the Laugh Factory then stopped yep they got sick of it um, do you think they got sick of it or they, they, or they got the stopped getting booked yeah. I don't know Right? I think there's people that just like are just like this stop caring. Yeah, people will get that level all the time and stop caring. And you understand that now. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a silly I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it's cool. I remember I listened to this I don't know why I listened to a Jerry Seinfeld interview. You told me you don't like Seinfeld. But Seinfeld was talking about how like how much he I mean, I truly don't care for him as a comic. I never got into a show even. I just think the idea of him is interesting. I do as like a his figure. I agree. No, I think it's interesting. I just don't like the things he says. I, I I'm interested to hear what they are, but I'm, I'm I know I'm not going to like it. I don't agree with what he's saying. Oh my god, I know. He's, he's like, like self-expression. Who cares? I'm like, yeah. "What? Jerry, what?" He's, he's like, "All that matters is funny." It's get like, a laugh. Well, you're kind of funny. I don't know. Like but he was he's like i just love the craft like i just love working on jokes i do all believe the time. that yeah i'm sure, no i i believe him when he says it like he's he's demonstrated that he enjoys doing stand up for well, a long well clearly time. right it's not he's not in it for the money yeah and he doesn't seem really to be in it to please people because he's not pleasing them i mean like he I likes i think he thinks he is he is though too he also is pleasing them he's like doing well on shows like yeah, Seinfeld's not Seinfeld like can crush. Yeah, yeah, Seinfeld. I don't. Get, I don't. He gets like it done it. <laughs> out there. Basically, every comic does. That's a good point too. Oh my god! And, every, and in New York, it's crazy. It's like it's like oh yeah. There's no like there's no no one's gonna bomb in for ten minutes. No one. <laughs> I mean, almost no. One. You know what I mean? I like mean, if they get a bad stage, right? Yeah, but also it's like it's. I mean, it's like everyone can. Everyone can. Everyone has a solid ten. Everyone. 
has like a, a good solid 10. I mean, there's like there's an incredible national surplus of people that can do well in front of 25 plus people. Absolutely. And all of those people think that they should have a show. Yeah. A TV show, you mean? Yeah. 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 Um, so, did, um, the uh, the idea that some people do it for the craft, some people do it for the... Because I, w- I had a conversation with somebody one time like where it was, uh, they're like, I like comedy because it's like a little puzzle you're solving. You're trying, you have an idea, and then the puzzle is, how do I make this idea communicable and then uh, with punchlines? Like, yeah, I, I get that, but I guess I just like... I don't like doing little puzzles that much. Right. Like, they're kind of interesting. Like, yeah. I'm sure I could get into a Rubik's Cube, but, yeah. like, I'd rather watch TV. Yeah, yeah. You but know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, but it, I hear what he's saying, and it is like you or get... Or she. You get... It's, it was a he. Um, <laughs> you get validation from doing the little puzzle and then having people be like, wow, you really did it, and people laughing at it and right. stuff like that. But the actual act is not that interesting to me. Of I uh, feel like getting I need, there? Of, yeah, of like having to write a lot of jokes and then saving the ones that are good and improving them and crafting a set. Like it, it It's not uninteresting. It's like... Right. It's yeah. A, it's, yeah, it's a valid... Like, I, I, I get that, but I don't like it that much, and I certainly don't like the am- amount of time that is necessary to do it where I would be at the same level that I was at, which I was not satisfied with. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of a mouthful, but it's like, it's not worth it at the level. It's maybe like okay, so like, even if it, it's not worth it because I tried it and I wasn't satisfied. Yeah, it's I, like I, I was, was working there. so hard to yeah. become this level of good I wanted to be, and I couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. And to be only as good as I was able to achieve took consistently this amount of like, just crushing effort. And it's like, at at a certain point, it's like. I'm just not that good. Was that the realization? Oh, absolutely. I'm not that good. Yeah. Because we for a while for a while you were drinking the Kool Aid and you were like, I am that good. Yeah. You had the you had the um, um if I may quote you, you said, I think I might be. <laughs> yeah, it's embarrassing, but it's it's the truth. But it also, I I mean, we were right there. I mean, like, and we told you the same thing too. We told you this. You were legendary amongst us, or amongst our small group. <laughs> Max said. Um, I think I might be the best first-year comedian in the world. I mean, Chicago is the best place to start. I'm a year in. I'm the best person who's a year in. Uh, and so, ipso facto, uh, I'm the best one. I'll take one as well. I'm the best one in the world who's a year in. Yeah. And then a year later, you're like, I don't know. I don't think this is uh, working. Well, now I think that I know of people that were doing stand-up that amount of time that were probably better than me at the time. Right. It's patently false. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, what's, I think it's more interesting is the attitude. Yeah, I felt that. Well, oh, sorry. I need to know. I keep thinking you yeah. want to cheers, and it's like, oh, you just don't know how to open a bottle. <laughs> I don't know how to open a bottle. I don't want to <laughs> cheers. I don't want to cheers with you. Um, okay, but then, okay, so I'm curious now. So th- now it's been, we started comedy together, I think it's been... Uh, it was 2000, end of 2014. Yeah, so it's been six years this summer. Six years. Yeah. Um, so after six years, after falling off, going to Vietnam, coming back, going to uh, school to be a PA, or you're, a pro, you're trying to apply to PA school. Yeah. Posi- positions assistant. Yes. Which is a job where you can make around six figures yep. and have a decent schedule. 
Yeah, you can get whatever schedule you want. And that's what you want to do? More or less. More or I'm less. Not like, I'm not, like, dying to do it. I like I like working. I like feeling like I know how to do something. I think – here's the thing. I don't think I'm of this creative ilk. I think I'm a worker. Okay. I think that I thrive in repetitive settings. I think that's one of the reasons I prefer to open mics to shows is because shows are always – no matter what – you're, it's always sort of like this relative one-off compared to open mics. I enjoyed the rhythm of like I do these these mics these days over the week, over week to week, and it would gradually change. And I oh. like the flow and the repetition, and oh. I like working my schedule into this is when I write, this is when I do stuff for the shows I run, this is when I run the shows. I have this show coming up. I'm gonna work the mics around it. But honestly, the shows once I started booking more shows, it was frustrating how it would throw off my schedule. <laughs> And now it's like I have these <laughs> eight patients and I need to do – and in the morning, whoever the night CNA was or the night nurse comes up to me and they say, this patient needs to have this done this many times. This patient needs to have this done this many times. And then I create a schedule for myself. I'm like a flow sheet. I draw it and then I do that. And it's it goes by in a flash and it's gratifying. It's not like – it's not at all glamorous. It's, it's no. It is the – opposite of interesting to anyone else i yes. cannot explain this as a story that anyone would care about <laughs> i am pr deeply aware of this whereas um, you said you used to have a very good elevator pitch for your selfhood you'd be like i'm max friedman i like to get high and go to uh 200 <laughs> restaurants don't lead with that <laughs> oh that's cool okay sorry i'm max friedman i crush uh for drug people at bars <laughs> And then during the day or on an off night, me and my friend Terrence would like to get high and go to a restaurant, <laughs> yeah. which we absolutely cannot afford, which is about like a restaurant which costs about the same as we make in uh, five days. <laughs> no, it didn't. I mean, what? Uh, Schwa was uh, 200 bucks. Schwa was, after tip, it was 200. Yeah, I can make 200 a shift back you can make, in Yeah, you're right. Okay, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, you're right. Let's go. Let's go to Schwa right now. Too bad. I would, we could oh, get a po' boy. So They're closed. But yeah, we used to go to like Michelin star restaurants. Um, we went to the best restaurant in the world. We didn't. Alinea. No. Eleven Madison Park. We went to the best, which was is not the best restaurant in the world. But, it was but we went to the, the best restaurant in the world. I've been to that restaurant twice, and I've had a number of meals that were better than both of them. That was in February. Uh, it was in February right before you left for um for Vietnam. Yeah. Before you shipped off to Vietnam. Yeah. Um, and I remember because they asked, they always ask what the occasion is because it's kind of like you're not just having dinner, right? Well, I, I wanted to give them, I was really, we didn't have an occasion. The so occasion I, I, was goodbye. The I mean, occasion kind was of. goodbye. Because I, I wanted them. Well, I didn't I was see you trying, for a year and a half after that, I don't think. I was like trying that. to think of a way because they're known for like, they research the people eating there and then they create extra shit. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they have a person, their their job role is called a dream weaver. And the example, <laughs> the two examples I've heard of this is they they walk around the dining room and they, they listen. They research people before they get there, but they also walk around the dining room listening to conversations. Like, they heard someone saying um, that they never had a New York hot dog before. Okay. So they created all of the flavors of a New York hot dog and played it as this beautiful like oh my this beautiful god. plate that tastes like a new york hot dog were made with perfect ingredients oh and my they god gave it to that person or like they um they heard someone talking about a lot about game of thrones and then they gave them a th three course like mead flight 
<laughs> and then explained its relevance to like the influence. And it's like that's and then the, the idea is it's supposed to like dazzle. So I was, of I was hoping I'd get one of those the one time dazzle I me in Madison Park. Uh, so We're saying Vietnam. We're like I mean Asian cuisine. Give us a banh mi, baby. I Give should, us something. Yeah, that would have been smart. Instead, I was like, this is our final meal. And then they said they just made this little fucking pendant. The for last, us. the last <laughs> supper. Which I, yeah, I mean yeah, I think we, we got the bare minimum dream weave. Yeah, we, I should have been like. Max is dying um, yeah. from he he can't from have strawberry flavored cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, if he doesn't get enough carbs, uh, he, this is going to be his last man on earth. <laughs> so um, forgot the granola. I loved. Okay, so yeah, that was Eleven Madison Park. The uh, what I can never forget is they bring you the bill, which is enormous, and then they put down a bottle of brandy next to it. Oh yeah, an it apple tight. brandy, and they go. And two glasses, and they go. You can have, you can have as much of this as you like. And I, reg- <laughs> I still regret. Like I had a glass and a half because we had a, had a we had a cocktail. They ma- they bring a huge meal, a huge meal, and we didn't have wine. I think we had cocktails. Yeah. And the cocktails were cocktails were incredible, incredible. They were very different cocktails, but they were the exact same color. They were both yeah, just yeah. a pale they were, they beige. Were and with an ice cube in it. All and of the they cocktails were so named different. after something. They'd be named like squash or mushroom, but then none of them had the ingredients My from the name. God. But then they would resemble that name. And I was like, this is like a magic show. My God. And they were they were just wonderful cocktails. Right. But that was, I mean, like, uh, that was like the seventh meal we had had at a very nice restaurant together. Maybe like sure. fourth or fifth. I mean, like. I'm trying to go to more. So you're still into that. Oh, I'm deeply into it. Because we jumped into this. I'm more into it than ever. Okay. I'm way into food. You learn more about food cooking than you do eating. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you've been cooking a lot, you said. I've been cooking a ton. New York Times. COVID. My God. Banana bread. But, like, I didn't, I couldn't identify what the difference between marjoram and oregano was, which are similar herbs. And now, in my, I can think of both of those things. And I know exactly what they taste like. Marjoram. You made, um, what is the pork dish? Carnitas. Carnitas with, like, Christmas spices. With, like, orange peel and nutmeg and no stuff. There's, there's cloves. Um, coriander. Nope. Christmas Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Orange peel. Clo- cloves is the Christmas. Clove is the what made me. Cinnamon. God. I'm going to use that recipe at Christmas. I'm taking that at Christmas. I'm going to using it. It's a New York Times recipe. It's Killer. easy to do. It just takes a long time. Killer, man. Just You're so big, good at cooking, Big though. meats is the... Just do big meats and roast them. You and made the bosam, right? Yeah, I love bosam. Did you do all the fixings with it? Yeah, I did. I made a ginger yeah. scallion sauce and sriracha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've ginger done that scallion a sauce of times. is killer. That's My God. one of the best recipes I've ever cooked. And the brown sugar. It's, it, it is the ginger scallion sauce. So, so which good. Which doesn't make sense when you're making it. No. Because there's just too much ginger. And, and you go, it's it not a sauce. It's like a weird salsa. It's like, I'm like, I follow directions, but it's not, I, I end up with not a sauce, but like a pile of scallions and ginger. Like it's yeah. a pot like, that are is, sitting a in a soy sauce. And you're yeah. like, and then you eh. eat it and you're like, I, I, every day, I've made it twice now, and both times I was like, I should have doubled this. I should have made more ginger scallion sauce. This is the most boring thing I've ever said in my life. Oh no no no. Okay, but so <laughs> yeah, but this is a, but this is this is the new you. This is the this is the true Max. I think under underneath all of that comedy stuff, you had this passion for food, um, and you and you use that passion by spending money at restaurants which you didn't have or you you. I mean, it was an outsized restaurant budget. We'll call it we'll call it that conservatively. Okay. I mean, I my my rent was nothing. 
Yeah, I was um, I was a prolific shoplifter. Prolific, um, one of the best. And I was making a good amount of money. It sort of overlapped with a time where I was like both doing a lot more waiting, but also getting paid more for stand up just because of like weird Jay Harris gigs. <laughs> so like I was just making. That's the most money I've ever made. Okay, right. And I had no overhead. Yeah, you remember it was like three hundred bucks, right? It was insane. It was like just under four hundred. Yeah. yeah, and it was nice. And but you make like, that in a day, you could make that in two days at a, at the restaurant you worked at. Your rent. You worked at your restaurant. Oh, I, I, I two days. Various, yeah. But some some days I can make that in one. In shift. one day, make a rent. Yeah, and I now I make no money, but I have no I have even less overhead. As a CNA, you make no money. I make thirteen dollars an hour, fourteen on weekends. <laughs> I'm going to get a raise because I'm like. You've trained now. I've trained and I'm good at it. I mean, it's it's not even that I'm good at it. It's that most CNAs are very bad. Okay. It's like the like I don't blame them for being bad. It's incredibly it's an incredibly difficult job that pays very poorly and destroys your body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. So I was. I mean, this we brought this up because of the, the your conception of yourself in your twenties. You're like you're, the elevator pitch of Max Friedman is. I'm a crazy, goofy. I'm a weird alt comedian. I mean, I I, I think you know it, scene. but you wouldn't say it the way I would say it. I'm curious to hear how you'd say it because I would I would be very. It would be blanketed in a lot of strange, awkward humility that was very forced and um, deliberate. Do go on. It would just be like like I could have a good first date where I'd be like, well, I used to do architecture. Um, I was going to go to grad school. Um, I started working as an architect and I like tell them a story about when I was like, I became upset with architecture because I had to lift these like pavers up to a roof with a crane when I would have done it by hand. But instead these rich people wanted to hire a crane for like $5,000 a day to do work by hand. So basically the story is like we, I was renovating this, this penthouse in Minneapolis. It was like one of the first jobs I ever had. And they wanted to, install new stone pavers on the ground and they were like two feet by two feet and they were a quarter inch thick and they were about 50 pounds each and there was going to be like 120 of them and okay. they hired a crane to put them on the roof but then that's it was pretty heavy take two days it's it's heavy but i can lift 50 pounds yeah so like 120 like, times yeah maybe if i had a wheelbarrow yeah you know yeah i could have done it in three in a hours day. yeah yeah i would have done it for 200 dollars. right and and i realized like and I, this is true, but it was like, this is a waste of, this is for no one. Yeah. Th- what I'm doing is worthless. <laughs> this doesn't help anyone. This just allows rich people to express opulence. Wow, they're just trying to spend money. Oh, yeah. Uh, d- n- no one hires an architect. Have you ever known someone to hire an architect? No, I guess not. But I, I, th- I figured it was a necessary thing to have. I figured not you needed really. it. I figured you, no, you to can design build buildings without architects. Really? Yeah, oh I yeah. thought for every building there was an architect. That's true. They, there is an architect, but they just need to stamp it, and usually they don't do much. The architecture I wanted to do was exclusively for the very wealthy. If I would have kept going, I would have moved to the Netherlands and done weird shit and gotten paid very little and then probably wound up being a professor at a state school somewhere. Yeah. That's what was going to happen to yeah. me. Yeah, my God. Um, which would have been okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, and then I decided, like, I hated working for these, for X reasons. And then I became, I started doing stand-up because I was jealous of my friend. Turner. Yeah. Barrowman. 
right who was um, doing stand-up and getting attention and and then i moved to chicago and i've been doing stand-up and yeah basically that was basically the elevator pitch yeah okay we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna throw a commercial and uh i'll, I'll, I'll be right back what you got pee? yeah <laughs> yeah you had a guy that podcast was amazing i think um I'm back here with Max Friedman, host of the Comedy Butcher podcast. Who could forget the Comedy Butcher podcast, which was uh, the only podcast in Chicago comedy that named names and talked about specific people, right? It was. I thought it was interesting because of how you guys talk about comedy. Honestly, like in such an honest way, and from the point of view of two people who wanted to quit, basically, right? <laughs> yeah. You and Joe Newman. People love that. I mean, when I listened to when I when I was when I was getting into comedy, I listened to podcasts from people who didn't want to quit, and that got to be a little much. And I like the the quitting variety better. <laughs> well, your yours is the the didn't want to quit thing. My podcast. podcast, I suppose. I mean, I have kind of quit. I haven't done comedy in seven months. Well, you didn't quit. Certainly not. You're on a. You're on a Dishonorable discharge. <laughs> Forced hiatus. Yeah. Dishonorable discharge. That doesn't make sense. Um, That's not what it is. When I was teaching, <laughs> I, repl- I was replacing this guy who's going on paternity leave. Paternity leave. Like he was, he was, he ha- his wife had a baby, and he had a baby. Scandinavian. Pa- yeah, right. And um, I go, Are you coming back when this is all over? And uh, he goes, Unfortunately, not. I have been involuntarily transferred. <laughs> they made him become an elementary school teacher because was they didn't like. Bad? They didn't like the way he taught. I don't know. They didn't like the way he taught um, high school. You can't fire teachers, right? You kind of can't fire tenured teachers just because you don't just because they don't like the way they perform. Yeah. They need to like do something very serious. I don't know what those. This is the subject of waiting for Superman. Yeah, and, and it's they like attributed that to why schools are so bad in the states. Well, they'd cut to they'd cut to a guy who's just like starts class and then reads the newspaper the entire time. I was in Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah, Milwaukee public school system is one of the wor- worst school systems in the country. Yeah, and then they had like a room. They had like this, like they had like a corral for like, like teachers who were who had failed, yeah. but they had to pay them a full salary still, and they just went to the same room every day, and like we they were like um they were just reading the newspaper and doing whatever they wanted, and it was they were they couldn't be fired, and I like unions, so it's it makes me feel weird to say this. I like I think un- unions Police unions are weird too. All all unions are kind of weird, but. Um, I mean, I, I think the, the problem is groups of people are kind of weird, right? I mean, like, I don't know. But unions do have a... Not cowboys. There's no cowboy union, is there? But as far as a group of people go, they're pretty cool. But they're not a group. They're, uh, they're, they are distinctly, they are distinctly distinct. They are, they are by their very nature individuals. They're cowboys. Mm. Probably most of them are anti-union. And once again, I am here with the cowboy of comedy, <laughs> Max Friedman. And Max, you did refer to yourself as a cowboy on and off the stage. Yes. Is that right? I guess. No, that's not. That's a fact. That's not what you guess. That is. That's true. Okay. I'm. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'll take it. I'm not going to fight you on this. I could roll a clip right now where you say, I'm a cowboy. You win. All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I win, I say, all right, sorry. I, uh, I'm sorry I'm sorry that I won. I uh, shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> sorry that I won that argument. <laughs> There's something really gratifying about just, um, I don't know if it's gratifying. It's not gratifying is the wrong word. It's It's calming. To just be in an argument and just be like, yeah, 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 you're right. Oh, man. One time I told Noah, I go, hey, Noah, sometimes when I say you're right, 
What I'm saying is I want to hear you stop talking. <laughs> and then well, that so screwed up his head because every time I said, ah, you're right, he would be like, uh, and it was right. It, was, it robbed him of the satisfaction, of his favorite satisfaction, which is, you're right. I think I appreciate that, and I think that's Thank true. You. But, like, I, I also enjoy just, like, I'll get into a, a minor disagreement, and I'll just be like, I'll actually just think about it for a second and be like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, not, what I'm saying isn't, the I'm wrong. <laughs> it's <laughs> great, then, isn't it? And then you do it, and then you, everything's fine. <laughs> it's a jujitsu, and then you can just talk about food again. You, know, you can just talk about something else, yeah. right? Sure. Um, how has your um, after stopping being involved in the in the society of comedy in this community of comedy, which was something we've been talking about, um, how has your socialization, how's your social life in general changed? Um. Well, it's weird. I think like since I've left, I mean really the reason i don't know the reason i left but that what allowed me to leave cleanly was just that i'm in this relationship that is good yeah okay which is good um but i think ideally one has a relationship and a large circle of friends and acquaintances yeah um which is pretty tough to pull off and really basically no one does yeah you're right um uh, <laughs> no one does. If you're listening and you do, call in. Well, yeah, like no everyone does. who has parents that aren't divorced are basically doing what I'm doing now because, like, you wind up getting very invested in your relationship. Yeah. Maybe you have kids, and you just can't have a huge social circle. No. And there's something lost. There's a huge thing lost through that. And, you know, you can sort of replace it, but you cannot not feel the deficit yeah yeah Kurt Vonnegut says that most people get divorced because their spouse is not enough people yeah you're only one person that's that's it's not good that's good that's, that's real good stuff good. that and that's very um sympathetic to the divorcers right it's like it makes them yeah. seem like it's like they're not getting divorced because of like one of them was nefarious or right. one of them wasn't nice or right. anything or that they they cheated on them or anything they're yeah. just like no i just like this isn't enough and it's, it's not like work. You, you can't and yeah i don't know uh so how has it changed how is it i mean because obviously you went from a bunch of acquaintances and friends i mean we had like a close circle of like six or seven good friends we'd spend a million acquaintances and a million acquaintances and that i love that balance is having six or seven people who you can really talk to about whatever and then you have a hundred acquaintances, and each of them you have got one solid topic of convo that you return to. Sure. Or you're like, "What's up with you?" And you just hear what they're going going through. And you, you go to an open mic, and yeah. you, you know, it's cheers. It's cheers. You know, Norm. I remember one time I had a show, and I was really, um, I didn't really know anyone on the show. It was on a Sunday night. And I was really nervous about something. I think, like, I was dating someone or trying to date someone, and uh -huh. it, like, wasn't going well. And I remember going to Three Dead Moose, the open mic, before <laughs> before the show just you to talk do to people. The open and, mic. and I just talked to Lale for, like, an hour. <laughs> I couldn't do the open mic. I just had, like, two beers with Lale, and then I left and did the show where I didn't know anyone. <laughs> and then I, like, went home. So that's an example. You're dipping into this the social aspect of the open mic. That was the whole thing for me. 
Right. That was the whole thing. I remember... Um, Exemplified by the fact that you left before you, the comedy even started. You did not perform comedy. <laughs> yeah. You just did the social aspect of it, which is like, hey, Chicago does have that going for it with the hour before. You, you, can, you, can, you can talk to somebody for an hour. Um, and uh, they, sometimes two hours you have to be there before, you know? And then you end up just kind of milling about like a weird bar hang. Some people are just writing in their notebooks. Yeah. Although those uh, people are just posturing. Yes, they are. No one's getting any writing done before the mic. Certainly not. Maybe before anybody gets there, but then as soon as one person gets there, I'm I am now like okay, I'm now at a small gathering. I remember like Miles Hendricks would always show up first to the open mic. He would pull out like a Foucault book. Yeah, yeah, a big and, book. And like I I would get there second, and I would realize he is not reading this book. He's just keeping it out. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I hated that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we've mentioned him twice, and so it's really ingrained in this episode. Um, and by name, first and last, it's good. Miles Hendricks. You can search, um, you can search podcasts now uh, by word, like something that was just like said. An audio search, and I was like, people on are iTunes. done on iTunes. You people are people are done. So many people are done. I mean, there's a couple words you can search, and you can find everything you need to know about anybody. Yeah, I worry about that. Yeah, I don't. No, I doubt that I'll be in the type of job where they would they would care. It's right. not like I have like a very public job, but I don't like it. Yeah. I also don't like that I can't take down like certain clips because I didn't post them of stand up. Yeah. Like I'm sort of okay with like the clips I posted because I think they were like fine representations. But like there's ones from when I was like a year in. JBTV. Yeah, that one is. JBTV was something Max got, and it blew all of our minds because it was going to go on TV. Max was going to be on TV. It was like somebody was f- somebody filmed it in a studio in front of a live audience. I remember I was and interviewed by a Fuse VJ. <laughs> <laughs> and he was interviewing me and he's like, he's like, so how long have you been doing stand-up? And I was like, I've been doing it for seven months. And he's like, oh. Like, he seemed almost like offended that he would be have his time wasted yeah. on someone like me. Seven months. And yeah. I remember, I think I gave a really bad interview. I was like, "Yeah, you just have to like work really hard <laughs> and just just <laughs> care about it." And the guy was like, "It's seven months. You can do anything in seven for seven well, months." We're not gonna show this to anyone. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. I don't think they did. Um, that was wild. When you got that, it kind of blew all of our minds. And that was one of the things we thought Max was fucking uh, the next uh, 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 Jerry Seinfeld. And uh, you would sometimes say on stage, "I am Jerry Seinfeld." Or you, Did I? you. Uh, one time, I go, I go. Someone asked you what your process was, and you go, "Well, I go to the mirror and I look at the mirror and I say, I'm Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> I'm Jerry Seinfeld.'" Oh, that's good. That's I'm good. Jerry I Seinfeld. forgot about that, but it's very funny. I approve of that. That's a. It's a good. Ba- it's not funny when someone tells you you're a bit back, and you're like, "No, I stand by that." I would I hope still say was that. Asking me in earnestness. I think they were. <laughs> Here's what I do: is I go in the mirror and I go, "I'm Jerry Seinfeld." Do you remember the podcast that you and Noah did called The Process? I was telling the story no. to somebody recently. Okay, so um, I hear it. So you would you would the process is a, it was a very lo-fi podcast. It was hosted by you and Noah, and you do it in open mic. You you grab someone from the open mic and go, "Hey, would you mind doing our podcast? It's called The Process." And you grab me, for example, and you go, "Terrence Hartnett is a a comedian uh, in Chicago, one of Chicago's rising stars. You know, he's got wet cash. He does Lincoln Lodge. He's doing shows all over town, and he's just well respected among his peers." Now, Terrence. Here's what we want to ask you for the process: is what's the best thing you've ever written? And then I would try to talk about some joke, and I'd be like, "Well, I think maybe. I mean, I have this joke about uh, my face and how it's very square and how I look like I play golf." Um, and then you go, you guys go, "No, no, 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 no." Ridden. What's the best thing you've ever ridden? 
R I D D. I did this. Yeah, you and Noah did it. Ridden, ridden, um, and then and then and then the person would be so embarrassed. Ridden. Oh, I like my Jerry Seinfeld one a lot better. Okay, there you go. So that, that was a collab between you and Noah. I think that's. I think it's. A, it's, a, it's a fun, one of my funny. One of my favorite stories to tell about that time is like, is you take someone out. No, no, no. Ridden, and they go, oh god. Oh, actually, maybe you weren't. Maybe you were just on it. Maybe it was Noah and. Lowry, I forget who who did it, but I don't have memories of it. But maybe I did. you were on it. I remember you said immediately you got ah, you guys are gay. Oh yeah, it's yeah. that's that sounds more like one of my clever. That's things. our maxi. That's our maxi. Twenty fifteen. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, your social situation now is more <laughs> isolated. It's more relationship based, and it, uh, you do you have you don't have friends at work yet, right? Is anybody cool? Everyone's super nice. Um, I'm going out of my way to be incredibly polite um, at the expense of giving any of myself. You know what I mean? Like the way I like to be at work, I like, I the only times I enjoyed work was when I treated it as an opportunity. Like, I would find people that were just, which was relatively easy to do as a waiter, I would find people that were, like, um, sort of on board with saying the most, like, heinous things. Like, (laughs) saying things that, like, not only would you never say to anyone, but you don't even really think. Yeah. (laughs) Although sometimes you did think them. Like what? Because racism and um, just, like, bad bad stuff that yeah. i think i think if people are being honest is floating through their mind but they're making some combination of like i shouldn't do this right. i would get in trouble if i did this i it, it's not right i think this i'm ashamed i think this and then they d- they filter it out and but then you'd find somebody who <coughs> did not have that filter and then you'd share a nice conversation with them like ricardo from fork he was like that well he was just like a weirdo but he was like, like your fun ed mcmahon where you'd kind of bounce stuff off him he'd always be there smiling like he's this like Hispanic kid, like, just smiling and like, yeah, okay, Max, sure. We, like, like kept in touch yeah. for so much longer than I worked at that place. And it was just weird. You were kindred souls, kindred <laughs> spirits, I think. I think he's a weirdo, too. I think he's like, he's, like, a DJ. Isn't it, like, maybe you don't agree with this, but, like. Probably not. Go on. It, isn't it very shameful to be a waiter as a comic? Um, Elaborate. I'm a, because, uh, yeah, I'm a waiter and a comic. I'm yeah. retired from both currently. I, I became <laughs> a waiter because of you. Like, you got yeah. me into it. Right. I wanted to do it. Because yeah. it's like, you say, this is a really good job for stand-up. I can make a decent amount of money. I can be a uh, brunch-lunch waiter. And then I can go out every night. <coughs> I don't need to work full-time. And I'll make as much as the people that work the bad office jobs full-time. That was my pitch. That was a good pitch, huh? It is a good pitch. Yeah, right? It makes sense. But and you like don't have to take any work home with you. Right. And it's basically it's like a it's a job you can do hungover. It's a job it does not matter. You know what I mean? No, no, no I, I, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. but the problem is then you have to experience being a waiter. Go on. Like you have to deal with this like inhuman treatment. Yeah, they just ignore you like you're not a human being. They just they just like they'll continue their lunch and even though you're tr- you're standing right next to their table. Everyone in the restaurant hates waiters. Yeah, you, the back of house hates waiters because they make more money than them and they work way less hard. Yeah, they have no talent. There's no talent. 
There's no talent. Although I would argue there's a skill set. There's a there's a skill set. No it's doubt. Who cares? But it's a, it's something you can learn in a couple weeks if you're if you got it. Yeah. Yeah. You can figure it out over time, and it's you've not been to restaurants. You know how yeah. they talk to you. You know yeah. how to do it. You just yeah. figure out how to do it. You do it. Yeah. And then there's the the front of the house staff that is management. Less than a, well, the managers okay. are sort of the boss, and everyone hates managers, but they treat them well. Right. Because they can punish people. They have clout. Yeah. But then there's like busboys, and, and they hate waiters. Yeah. Well, they, they hate them. Yeah, of course, because they're they're working twice as hard as the waiters, and they're treated really well. And they're watching the waiters do less work, and they're busting their ass, and they're making exactly half the mo- the money. Yeah. Like exactly like like their their cap is half of our cap, basically. Sure. Um, Maybe three quarters on a good day for them. And you whatever. have no like, institutionally, your job does not take care of you. You're as a busboy? As anything in a restaurant. Anything in the front of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are expendable. Like, I have paid time off. Right now as a CNA? As a CNA. Wow. I have a retirement fund. <laughs> I have full health insurance. I have um, a workplace counselor, if I <laughs> so choose. I have a dietitian. Really? Advi- yeah. Wow. Okay. That you can just you can just go to, I can go to any doctor in the hospital, um, the biggest hospital in Milwaukee. You can ask them like, is this mole too well, hairy? They, they're busy, but like you can schedule an appointment, and if you want to talk about your mole, you can for free. Yeah. Oh wow. Do you have health insurance yeah. that you buy it through the government? No. You buy it through this job? Yeah. Oh my god! Congratulations. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't really use the doctor. But I'd like to go to therapist. I might start doing that again. Maybe you should. Yeah, I could use. You're that. a fucking lunatic. Sure. Um, is this the part of the appeal of because um, you're pursuing a degree to get a? You are making a noise that I can hear. Yeah, it's a good by idea. flicking that. It's a bad noise. It's an ASMR. ASMR. <sighs> yeah, that's there's the noise. <laughs> there's the noise. Um, this is Max's brand. Is uh obstinate and then now that i've now that i've given him a reaction which i've given i've given him a reaction now now um now it's just a countdown to when i blow up i guess i don't know i'm gonna have to blow up and that'll make him laugh again <laughs> and then that'll become the punchline it, w- once i get actually angry with him as as a human being like max stop it you know so as a pa stop it <laughs> You are looking to be a PA. You're going to you want to go to PA school, which will take a couple of years. Well, and that is that two the years, appeal? two or two and a half years of school, which yeah. is a, a a selling point for the amount of money you can make and the appeal to the job. True. Um, but I need a bunch of patient care experience, which is going to amount to about a year or two, maybe three. And you can get that here at the CNA job. Yeah, but okay. the CNA job is not great. But how long will you take you to get that amount of experience at this job at your current? Well, it depends Schedule. on I will be able based on the amount of classes I need to take and all that shit like I'll be able to apply f- for school at the this spring. Oh, wow. F- and it would start then the year after in the fall. Yeah. Okay. And potentially if I got accepted, I could just quit being a CNA. And you could maybe get your hours while you're being in PA school or no. no. You'd have enough hours at you, that you point. You can't work during PA school. Okay. The PA school is like a 60-hour week. Okay, wow. Yeah. It's it's tough. Yeah. I mean, you you a PA does basically what a doctor does. Um, but they have two years of education. Okay. So like, sort of a bad. It's a budget model, for sure. <laughs> because yeah, doctors right. cost so much money. Exactly. You're saving PAs money. PAs make about exactly half as much, but they have one fifth of the schooling. Yeah. 
Um, so a budget model. You're a budget doctor. PAs yeah. are replacing doctors. Good. Because right? doctors are overeducated. Yeah. PAs are undereducated, but they can learn on the job. Yeah. And because of that, it's like it, it just doesn't make sense to have all these doctors. It seems to be for 90% of what you need to do in, in, uh, in any medical situation, a PA would be just fine. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For 95% or something. Yeah. For some things, PAs are better than doctors. Why? Because a PA, PAs are a lot more versatile in specialty and scope. So like a PA, a PA working in a, as a, with a general practitioner, they work under a doctor. They do the same thing the doctor does, and then they have the doctor there if there's something that they, is above their head. There you they go. They can go to the doctor. N another way a PA can work is you can have the same level of um, practice as a doctor, but with a much narrower scope. So like okay. I just met a PA that only does stuff with red blood cells. Wow, really? At That's that all. Hospital? He's a red blood cell specialist, <laughs> and he can he can have the same level of interaction that a a doctor would have on red blood Provided. cells. Provided, but he will do less things outside of that scope. Yeah. So there's just different, and you can really shape it and be like the other thing was the doctor. It's like if you're a doctor and you want to be a dermatologist, you're stuck there. You may not even get to pick where you live. Wow. A PA is like one of the most in-demand jobs in the country because they're like replacing doctors. Yeah. So a PA, you can live wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. And you can switch. From your different specialties? Yeah, you can work in an ER, then you can work in radiology where you just look at pictures. My God. And they're very, it's a very different job. So it's like that's appealing to me because I'm, I'm very worried about the prospect of doing something for 40 years. You know? Yeah, so this would be – this is your career. This is the move you want to make. I mean, that's the track I'm on. What's happening? I'm just going to plug in my phone because I'm worried it's going to die. <laughs> oh, this is like a – this is a – charger yeah this is a charger this is for the van this is very this is van life um i nailed it okay great i imagine talking about pa career prospects is really rough on the ears of a listener <laughs> yeah so i'm curious about because i'm just curious about your future because we talked about your past and um sure and where you feel like you stand now and i'm curious about because you said last night candidly that uh you want you maybe want to do open mics again yeah, kind of. Yeah. I want to hang out with the strange people. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Because you want to hang out with the strange people. That is it. That's like 100% it. It's because I want another Quentin. <laughs> Who's Quentin? Quentin Johnson. I know who Quentin oh, is. Oh, he's a lisp. He's just an alcoholic. He's <laughs> a, just a fun guy. And I just like having – but my worry about – stand-up about going back to it and like yeah. one of the reasons that it was hard to get back into it the number of times i tried yeah and that really that what do you mean when me you say getting back into it because you said you had kind of semi-retired <laughs> quit I would, like, quit what happened was i would take a break for a week or no i would take a break for like four days yeah and that was like i was like i'm done <laughs> i'm done i'm never gonna <laughs> do anything I'm, I'm done with stand-up and then i would get back and i'd be back for like three months then I'd then take a break again. for a week. Yeah. And then I'd be back for like two months. All the while, no one knows about these breaks. No, no one knows. No, but for me, they're weighing very heavily on me. Gotcha. But like, I'm, and, and I really did lo start to lose things because of them. I also really? lost. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I look back on it and it's like, I lost, I also lost things because of drug use, I think. What do you mean? Like, I, I didn't get lodged because of drug use. What do you mean? 
because I just remember um, one day I was supposed to um, I was going to have lunch with Dan Drees, uh, who was not oh, in the lodge yeah. at the time, <laughs> but I was going to have lunch with him at 2.30 on a Saturday <laughs> when I wasn't working. And I did you know, drugs before the night before. And um, and I just figured I would wake up by 2.30 because I'm a morning person, but I woke up at 3.30. And Dandries went to the restaurant, yeah. which was located inside of the Museum of Contemporary Art in the Gold Coast, and just oh waited for me for like forty minutes. And you overslept the two thirty, yeah. And like the reality is, is like he was dating Stephanie Weber, and Stephanie Weber was very into being like professional, and right. she she was my friend. She, I mean, I haven't seen her in a long time, but we always were friends. But like she was like. Max is not a reliable person. Oh, I told you this, didn't you I? You told me. Yeah, yeah, because I had access to, once they give you, I got into the Lincoln Lodge, which is a comedy group, a comedy, stand-up comedy group, which is, for some reason, professionalism is important to them and, like, being able to be a producer because you produce the show, whatever. Um, and uh, uh, I once I got in, I got I got uh, in because because Mickey Housley turned him down. That's how I got in. Um, this this incredible black comic, like fucking, he's a, he fucking lights up a room. He'll do crowd work for twenty minutes and crush the entire time, and like, and then his bits are insane. Um, and he was like, "I'm not gonna commit to being here every weekend." That's basically what he said, you know. Anyway, so I got in, I got in, and then I get access to the document that they had shared with all the people who were in Lincoln Lodge about who to pick next. They didn't change over the document or whatever. You know what I mean? So I just got access to all of the things that they were looking yeah. at. And I just find my score of like, of like everyone ranks you out of 10 or whatever or 5 or something, how much they want you. We had the exact same score, you and I. Um, and so Terrence is, um, Terrence is part of that Max Friedman. And it was like someone else who I didn't really think we were in the clique. It was like a mischaracterization of the clique. It was like he's part of that Friedman edginess crew, but he's a little more responsible. And then that you the comment for you is that yeah they que- you we question his responsibility or whatever yeah. like you said drug yeah um, which I get I think I would have been fine because I was always very good with attendance you're very good with yeah you're very good at showing on exactly that's that's it's a I think they did make a mistake by because they go for people I think the danger is you can go for people who are funny who are not that funny but they are very responsible stop doing that with your thumbs please. Um, <laughs> See, he's so happy. He's so happy. Um, um, I don't know. I get where they're coming from. Sure, if they're like running a weird business. But I, 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 beca- I started to become aware of like opportunities that had I just been consistent, like yeah. had I just been someone that went to all the mics, didn't get into fights with anybody. Not that I got into that many, but I got into some. That and then you think those like made people. I, people I don't had think to. Those, actually, I don't even think that really affected. Yeah. Me, but like, just just been a real like treated, treated stand up the way I'm now treating like being a CNA, where it's like no matter what, I'm going to be polite. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> trying to do this thing. I'm going to be polite. Yeah. And I'll be friendly and I'll make friends. Whatever. Yeah. There's no need to be rude to anybody. There's not. But um. But it really does give you a rush. It gives you a rush. <laughs> and the only way I could like conceptualize myself in like the wane like most of the time I was doing stand up was in this like waning period and the only way I could like think of everything was like just treating it very like I don't know like nihilistically yeah uh, like it means nothing nihilistically yeah, and yeah. just like being goofy about that how did like that how did that manifest not paying like respect diligence to people 
making fun of shows like yeah. doing the podcast with joe right the um, podcast where you would be like you'd be like the the reality about this show is that those people are out of touch with what's going on with comedy it's just like <laughs> you know like, like they don't know what they're doing yeah and it's like it, it would have and just like dipping out so much yeah like if i would have just stayed there i could have just done all this shit right keep marching like yeah i remember um chelsea hood was going to um, she was going to get me on like a run of shows at the Laugh Factory and she was going to make me a producer of that show she was doing. Oh, the server show. Yeah. Yeah. And like maybe that – like Absolutely. if I would have just collected things like that, right. I would have climbed more than I did. Right. I, who knows where I would have went, but it would have been more than what it was. Yeah. And it wasn't like nothing. But it, it wasn't was, nothing. Like, it was fine. Yeah. You're a legend. <laughs> if you went, amongst I, I, like Gasper. Amongst like, – there's like four people who think you're a legend. Yeah. But I think if you went back now in Chicago, it would be very interesting because people who people people who comedians respect now, the upper class of comedians now, it's like Drago Higgins. Yeah, and they think very highly of you. Sure. And so you'd be like this. You had this. You'd had this weird sign door. Drago into doesn't the, think highly. He sure does, doesn't he? No. Well, why does he talk to you so much? He doesn't talk to me. We don't. I don't talk to Drago. But like, why did he talk to you so much during Colleen? And you and him did Colleen together and whatnot. I don't know what it was, but um, we used to get. I mean, he also accused me of stealing jokes from him. Sure. Um, That's more uh, I think about Drago than about you, probably, right? Well, I didn't steal jokes yeah. from him, but like. So yes, okay. Um, <laughs> also, Drago accuses lots of people of stealing jokes from him because he's that. <laughs> um, but it yeah, it completely ruined our relationship if that hadn't happened i probably would have stayed maybe an extra year oh my god what wait yeah, wait wait me. because he asked you if you stole a joke from him and it crushed it made he didn't you ask me if i stole he a demanded joke from him. No. he like berated me for an entire night while he was drunk about how i stole this joke from him that i'd never heard and it made you um so crush me because i i just felt like i i mean now it seems silly but like at the time i was like he doesn't respect me right um yeah and it like weighed on Every time we go to Colleen, our, our friendship was never, never the same. Wow. I still kind of hate him for it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I also just think, he, well, I don't know. I'm not going to just yeah. speak poorly of people. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so why go on? Yeah. <laughs> why go on? I think, he, yeah, I think he's funny, and I think he, whatever. He is funny. Of course he's like, funny. He's a great comic. Right. Um, you can, you can, like, that's such a weird thing that happens in like sceney shit where yeah. like people <laughs> assess how much they think a comic is good based on like whether or not they're nice to them and it's ridiculous it's garbage that is garbage could you grab me one just, of those it's just this one yeah i struggle with books because books can like they're so in terms of recommendations yeah like, I've I've read a lot in the past like few years and like the ones that are so great I want to have I want to force people to read but it's yeah. like you can't do that but there's just like everyone I talk to there's like four books I'm like you got you have to read these and we got to talk about it yeah but right you, that's that's a tall order of course it is here put these in the cooler there kiddo <laughs> we've only we only drank eight beers. Okay. Oh my god. Great. And we'll cut all this out. That's the best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and all the good stuff does get cut out.
Did you re- have you been reading it all? Yeah, I've been reading a lot. Um, I reread the Zen and the, and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which it's I love. Amazing. Have you read it? I've read the first quarter of it, and then I got sick of it, despite being so yes affected by it. It's so exhausting, but it is really rewarding, and the ideas are completely new. And um, he's like he's trying to tackle the like like the metaphysical realities of uh, our world of the of the reality which you experience. Like it's not scientific, but he's trying to philosophically define why everyone everywhere for all time has ever done or said anything <laughs> the, the the discussion of quality like um that the idea that like um why is one thing better than another well you just feel it well that's not quantifiable okay well everyone agrees well that doesn't mean that it's measurable quality isn't, isn't measurable um and then he comes to the to the to the determination that quality exists before the subject and the object are are separated of like before anything before me and a garage are separate things quality determines our relationship so like the quality of a garage is in how uh how well it serves me as a subjective um, thing that I'm dealing with like because like you know a good garage stores my car and my all my stuff you know what I mean yeah i liked the comparison between him and the other person who went on motorcycle trips yes who would go to mechanics yes to get his motorcycle fixed whereas the author fixes his own motorcycle and even like makes his own parts he goes if i need a new part i don't buy a new part it could take weeks to get that thing and i make it because and the reason was because the person that was going to the mechanic was he had some idea in his head of the romantic aspect of going on this motorcycle trip yes. and he was going to facilitate only his like preconceived notion of the value of that trip or quality yes. of that trip yes whereas this guy said no the entire process of doing this is the value it is the parts that are uninteresting yes and it is the pursuit of doing all of those exactly correctly yeah that You're right um is I think he he just said like that's that's what Buddhist what was Buddhist and that's what it was then it's right. like sure but it was like d- despite the the mysticism I was like that's it that's that why it. the first year and a half of stand up yes. is so appealing because wow. it's like yes um you're ju- you're just doing all of the base you're just trying to tick off the things you're doing wrong yeah. that you can get rid of and then you will be better just by learning the fundamentals and well, the, yeah. th- that that stuff the pursuit of it is um i guess all you need yes we well, we were in, we were in the we were in exact agreement at the beginning about how to do it and what to do you go and do it as much as you can if you could do it at midnight you should be doing it at midnight on Tuesday. Like on Tuesday, we would do four mics. We'd end, end our night at Bar Bar Black Sheep, which is a six-minute mic that started at 11 o'clock uh, in Wicker Park on a Tuesday. So on a Tuesday in Wicker Park at a weird cocktail bar, you could do six minutes of comedy in front of ten people who also wanted to do six minutes of comedy. So we got an hour and 20-minute affair of people drinking uh, $2 Thai, uh, uh, Thai beers called Chang's. Or were those from Thai, Thailand? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, and we'd be there. We 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 would have gone to a mic at six thirty, eight thirty, nine thirty, and then eleven, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Seven, eight thirty, nine thirty, eleven. I think Weeds, that fizz, is whatever. What you should do. 
Yeah. Um, but I think that you need to do it and you need to, to really do it. To, My, to yeah. be someone who succeeds through nothing other than sheer effort, which is sort of, for me at least, that was the goal. Yeah. Like, um, for a while, you have to not only do that, but also do each in between each one. You need to assess what you just did and yeah. change it for the next one. Not just repeat the same thing at four mics and feel like you worked hard. Right. That was our nemesis. We had a nemesis who posted every month about how many mics he did, and he'd always do more than we did. Gavry. David Gavry. and um, and he was very bad. And he was very bad. He, he was doing. He was like the he was case doing. study for why. Yes. You can't do that. But he I, loomed I, large. I do think you need you need to mind. do what he was doing, but also do it in the most difficult way yeah my my advice in my fantasy brain where people were asking me for advice is um you should do comedy a lot that's what everyone says do comedy a lot but you should also think about it a lot think about it when you're not doing it a lot as much as you are doing it you should be thinking about it but very few people are actually doing this properly yeah like asmus is doing it properly yeah drago is doing it properly you probably it's difficult for me to imagine someone that um is doing well mentally yeah yes and also well tom takar is my favorite that. example is he i think so i mean i think he's like he's got a great he's got a great life girlfriend friends he does tons he of spots maria wojcikowski no he was for a while yeah um and uh he's at the cellar and he does comedy a lot does new bits does fun bits does um political bits does um he just he tries to do very well as well as be him himself you know what I mean like do strike that balance like between hack and artist you know where very know, rare though right where the, where the hack the hack does what the audience wants the artist does what the artist wants you should do something in between you should do something that turner you want was doing this yes he was turner was great i mean D- turner was a very good comic who worked very hard produced a lot of time ran over hours and hours could easily headline and right. do great but he also had like a very good relationship. He's yeah, still in. you can um, do it. You can be done. It can be done. I don't think I'm good enough to do it. Me neither. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you think you can? You, maybe you can do it. I mean, I'd like to. Do, I mean, I aspire. I don't think I have been good enough to do it in any of the areas of my life. Like in any of those areas. I I, I mean, I felt this. But way I aspire to yeah. F- for for a little bit, and I think I continue to feel it. But like, um, put the microphone next to your mouth when you talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's my rec- that's my advice. I think that it's there's a very common idea in stand up. It it needs to be there that if you keep working, you will keep improving and eventually you will be at the level that is great. Mm-hmm. And oh. I doubt it. I r- I really think that like That's a myth. And, and it's yeah, I think it's a myth. Uh I I think that um the reality is is you have sort of an inborn level of like how good you are on the on the the input like Joe McMahon entered stand up being so funny yeah way so much more funny than yeah. me um i worked harder than him i did i didn't catch him but i probably made more progress than from he zero did. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um but you have to tell yourself, I need to continue. I need to maintain. I need endurance uh, in order to continue improving. And most people fall off. I fell off quick. I think most people, their work, their well, you burn twice as hot. You burn twice as hot. 
Sure. The candle that burns twice as bright uh, burns half as long. But we know people that worked even harder than I did and continued it. Yes, we do. Um, I just don't have that much inborn endurance. Yeah. Or whatever the whatever the thing is, whatever the difficulty in my childhood, well, or whatever the thing is that yeah. makes you want to keep doing that. I didn't have enough of it to maintain that level of endurance. And like, I would posit that that, it, that it's a value question. The, the, it's a problem of what you value. Because if you value the external validation, then the external validation will come, and then you won't respect it. And then there's no more external validation that's gonna that's gonna um, that's gonna get your levels, the, 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 like the heroin tolerance levels that your external validation has gotten to. I don't think you're gonna be able to get that once you see that it's cheap. It's cheaper than you think. Then the external validation loses its loses its sort of its high, and then th- that's when you quit. That's my theory. Hmm. Probably. Could, but because you weren't you, I mean, you said yourself you're not internally motivated. You're not um, motivated by the craft of it or by you want to have good material. I mean, I I guess I just think that like if someone does stand up for a year, I can look at them and say whether it's going to work for them or not. Sure. And a lot of people disagree with me because you have to think like, well, if I just start picking up my workload. If I just start working harder, then I can do it too. Yeah. And I think the reality is like most people fall into somewhere in the middle of like getting to whatever. And everyone does basically. Like most people aren't going to, even the very best people aren't going to become like. Right. Joe McMahon's not going to be Seinfeld. No. Almost Um, nobody's going to be Seinfeld. um, But he'll be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And that, that level of middle was set for him before he started aha uh-huh. okay that's, that's predetermined yeah um but you can work not and by can, any force but just by a but you can notch it up or you're, you're saying you can notch it up or two with work if you if you work of course you can but yeah. the degree to which you will be able to notch it up is based on the level of endurance you had before you started okay what about cultural significance some people at certain points in time um seem to be more culturally significant than other people like comics yeah like they're just more popular to a certain um, like someone said like Jabuki Young White is like the yeah, ideal comic for the last three years it's like he's who you want to hear from you want to hear from a hilarious bisexual um, racially ambiguous man or is he he's, he's, he's he mixed race I don't know but he's I think he's mixed like he's light skinned or he's gay too he's not he's bisexual yeah. well I think he's bisexual but he's basically gay yeah um yeah, I mean, there's definitely that. But that's I like, mean, that's I what think we want. ultimately that stuff doesn't matter. Like for the like ultimately what you want to be is of course you want to be successful, but you also want to be I mean, Dubuki is really good at stand up and successful. Yeah. And but very you, good. But yeah. you want to be like Gary Goldman. Sure. You know, someone who is like an artist. Yeah. Who's also so good and will continue to be good until he stops. Um that's you know i mean like it it, it, of course it would be nice to for some combination of like external circumstances like you happen to be this like race or whatever at a time where media is calling for or you have the attitude that just gels with what's going on at the time you know what i mean like yeah yeah yeah. yeah. for sure i mean and it's it's not yeah it's not just race but it's also just like kind of like just like how much you click with the current yeah oh my god sarah sherman is 
incredible. It's exactly what we want right now. It's so good. And it's been that way for years. And I remember one time she, like, we were on the same Life Factory Tuesday show and she didn't do well. And she's like, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, Sarah, don't worry about it. Like, you've got something that everyone wants to see. Like, it's like, it doesn't matter at all. Like, I would, I'm so much more worried than you should be. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, you've, everyone wants to be unique. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you've had this exact same conversation with her. Yeah. Like, you've achieved uniqueness. Why would you, why would you care about anything else? I mean, like, everyone gets good and they try to be unique or something like that. But like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like out the gate, she's something that we've never seen. Exactly. She created it. Oh my God. Thing. I had to follow her at Coles so many times and it was terrible. It's so terrible. Everyone was just talking about it in front of me. I'm like, I know I saw it too. I want to talk about it, but I have to be up here. It sucks. I'm stuck up here. Um, okay. So, um, your return to comedy, <laughs> the return of Max Friedman. Um, I don't view it like that. Okay, I'm curious how you view it then. I would like to do it where I didn't know anyone. Like, I think Milwaukee would be good, although I do know some people in Milwaukee. But whatever. Is there a guy named Max Freeman doing comedy? He's in, in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Sorry, yeah. okay. Um, he has a lisp. Uh, That's good. And I don't even think I would plan on doing it for good. Like, I really just plan on doing it between the time that I, like got into grad school or like once I finish classes but I'm not in grad school yet yeah. like just start going to mics and sit at bars and hear weird stories yeah right like make it like an AA meeting you just keep you just it go yeah, yeah. <laughs> hear weird stories you share your own <laughs> and then I feel and I after you share idea. you ha have a cigarette with them or whatever <laughs> I think about this and I'm like well I better start logging joke premises again right so i i i mean very few like when i used to keep a notebook in my pocket i would think of like a few a day right and i would write like you know one from six from two days you know right and then that would be bad right <laughs> um, that would be low that would be yeah it'd be bad and then eventually once you go through that process like six times then you get something that you would try at a show yeah it was an incredibly inefficient process. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it would be. But but now I feel like I need to do that just so I can... Hang. Just Yeah, just be there. Yeah. And I certainly am not doing it enough. I haven't written anything, but I'll keep, I'll keep notes of... But don't you think... Premises. But you must be starting at an advantage of someone who's starting fresh, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I think I'd be worse than I was when I was last doing it semi consistently. Yeah. But I, of, of course, I would be able. To, I like the first time I ever did stand up, I was like a wreck. I forgot yeah. everything, and it was like that for like a few weeks before right. I could even like remember <laughs> what I said. Now I would be able to get up there, like I could do a mic, yeah, and just mess around, and it wouldn't make me feel bad. Yeah. And yeah. I would be I would be lucid the whole time. Right, that's at least three years of experience that you still have locked. I, I don't know that I would do well, but I also yeah. maybe could. You totally could. I mean, like, and also you know the tricks. Yeah, and I know. I think I still know how to stand and exactly. like hold the thing. Like so much of what I was what I was thinking about was like posture. You stand um, looming over the crowd, staring down at them uh, over over your the bags in your eyes, and just. Kind of pick out one person and just kind of tell a lot of the joke to them. Oh yeah, I'm trying to remember your movement. Um, of pivoting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pivot. You never stand still. Neither do I. So I, I shouldn't say anything. I look at videos of me and I'm like lean. I'm like 
leaning. I'm doing, I do the teapot arm and I'm leaning like a, I'm like constantly stretching my other, I'm doing like this, like the whole time. Like anyway, so uh, it's like so weird. I enjoyed closing, putting the mic back in the stand and putting my hands behind my back <laughs> and say, I'm done. Well, doing a bit then. Oh, okay, with the mic in the stand? I would put the Ooh, mic in the stand, for the put closer. my hands behind my back. For the closer. One of my favorite things I ever saw, which was part of the, the – there's, like, this, like, edge of stand-up of, like, the decisions you have to make that it was, like, my favorite part. Yeah. But I remember Vincent you, Bryant at the Comedy uh, Corner? No. Comedy Bar. Comedy Bar. He He was, like, crushing on the mic. Everyone was bombing. He was crushing. And T Murph was in the audience and he was running the light like crazy. And he's like, okay, I'm about to get off. And then T Murph was like, do this joke. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and then he he walks away from the mic. Like the mic is in the stand. Oh, man. And he does it with no mic in a really large room and he's yeah. quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole room goes hush. And he, the joke has one punch and it's a really heavy punch. And it, crush yeah <laughs> but like the in order for people to even for it to even be audible the setup everyone had to be completely silent i bet that's the like control. they were hiding from nazis yeah <laughs> and then he says this one line and it was magical it was really amazing i, I don't remember the joke i'm sure it was a good <laughs> joke he's a great comic but like I couldn't believe it. I, I, I emulated that a number of times with like various closers and like I could do it, but not get off the mic like a little him. bit. Get off the mic. And I, would, I would leave far would, away from it. I would close off the mic. Wow. Nice. Um, maybe only maybe, maybe you will again. <laughs> yeah. Only with jokes. What? Only with jokes. I knew I could close. Of course. Yeah. Closers. Yeah. Which I didn't have that many. Reese's Pieces. That was my main one. And I was there for the real story. Yeah, you were there for the real story. Technically a bad joke. Asmus was always very diminutive. <laughs> like, he always was very much like, he's like, it's just a it's just a misdirect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just one big misdirect with a huge setup. <laughs> and really an enormous, I tried to make the setup funny, but there was no jokes in the setup. No, it was, was a funny, like, okay, do it, do the joke. I'll do the joke. How about that? I don't even know if I could do the joke. Good, well, I'll do it. Um, oh boy, you ever at a bar and you go outside and I know I already know it's wrong. I already know it's wrong. And there's this guy outside and he he told me. Oh, here's what it was. The other day I was at a bar. Put your mic to your face. The other day I was at a bar. This weird thing happened to me. Uh, this man came up to me. He's like, you know, men. <laughs> Big laugh. That, that that's basically the structure of every laugh line. Yeah. Prior to the punch. Yes. Where it's like it's just like an aside. Uh, yeah. I do a know bunch man. of asides. The guy comes to me and you, you know man. He's like, um, now I forgot it. Hey man, I had a bunch of Reese's pieces. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And I'll give you some if I can uh, touch your chest a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I said, uh, well, 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 go right ahead, man. Yeah, and I had to really like. Big laugh I had there. a very measured stumble on like. I made it seem like at first I thought it was weird, 
and then I and then I reveal quickly that it's like, yeah, I love Reese's Pieces. And I go, it's been a long time since I've had Reese's Pieces, and having them right now, it feels so good because it's been such a long time. So go ahead and touch away, man, and because it, it feels so good, and you know, and because of the Reese's Pieces, and Reese, did I say, did I say Reese's Pieces? And then you look to a guy, and he, he has to go, yeah, and he go, ah, it was cocaine. I said the joke wrong. Yeah. Then that was. I said the joke wrong. It was cocaine. <laughs> there's a whole. There's a number of sections you missed, but it's fine. <laughs> He's touching my chest a little bit. What did I miss? Uh, well, I already revealed like, the punchline. It's like, what am I gonna say? No, like my favorite peanut butter candy. <laughs> and like, what am I like? Af- like afraid of. Um, a man's the, touch? The touch of a man. It's like, good enough for Princess Diana and Beyonce. Remember yeah, that? I'm Max Friedman. I'm I'm Max Friedman. And then Big I go, laugh. You get a laugh because you get at this point you're getting laughs off of your attitude, which they they've understood your attitude. Um, and then it was like, um, I uh, so I looked him right in his puppy dog eyes, and I said, which he did a puppy dog puppy dog and eyes. And I said. Uh, Give me, I don't know how I did it. Would you put the mic up to your face when you talk so I can hear (laughs) what you're saying? I said, give me um, all your fucking, and he's like, oh, wait, sorry. I'm so, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I'm I'm embarrassed. Did I say say Reese's Pieces? Yeah. Huge, long, stare, pause. I meant cocaine. (laughs) Huge laugh. Um, And then you go, okay, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm finished. You know what I always wanted to do, but I never did, was I wanted to say, like, okay, I'm my set's done. My set's done. Um, Everyone, or I need everyone to participate. I want everyone to close their eyes. Okay. And then I would just walk off stage. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, you know what? Sounds like that would be the first thing on your list to close on. You want me to do stand-up. How? Why would I not want you to do stand up? Um, first I'm of all, I'm projecting New York. I'm projecting. I, I, yeah, it's not even about us being buddies in New York doing stand up, which I would like, obviously, because I like you, and that was a big part of doing comedy for me was like just doing it and then talking about it with you and talking. Over, even though we had um, the most dissimilar styles any two comedians could probably have, ish, right? I mean, like, don't you it think? Probably became more convergent as time passed. And we right. just did jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. where it's like basically everyone's kind of the same. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, no. I mean, no. There's of styles course, of no, jokes. but like, yeah, there's styles of jokes. Yes. <laughs> there's. I mean, well, everyone's doing setup punch jokes. I mean, like, um, first of all, not everyone does that. Only the people. I mean, people who get laughs. Just everyone, people that are getting booked. Yeah, yeah. getting booked. Yeah. Okay, um, but I mean, you're. I mean, I I would be excited for you to return to comedy because I like comedy and I like your comedy, and, and it and it. Um, but I couldn't have a special. Why not? Put it up to your mouth when you talk. Because I'm not. Why can't you have a special? Because <laughs> conceivably I could, but it wouldn't be good. I don't think so either. No, I'd watch it. Wouldn't. it. I mean, it, potentially, if I had stuff at the quality that I had of my best like 15 and I had an hour of that you could record that as a special and if it yeah. was in a glossy arena it could like you could watch it on Netflix and, right. and not think it was different from the other ones where have you lost but you me? wouldn't laugh I would laugh with my friends and I would send them clips of it and I would um, quote them to, to one it another. wouldn't be a good special I it was would not that too. good 
Well, yeah, you would. Be, I mean, yeah, okay, you weren't that. Uh, yeah, it would be dumb. Yes, okay. So your point is, and I agree, it would have been dumb if you had filmed a Netflix special three years into doing comedy in Chicago. I think that would be dumb. So you have my agreement on that. But I, I don't think I could have ever become someone who has a special that you just watch and you laugh. I couldn't like people like Brian Regan, like you, Sebastian. You mean Maniscalco. when you're watching it in your house, and you laugh? Yeah. Okay. That's what it, that's what a special is. I know. Okay, but that's not what stand up is. It's not what stand up is, but it is like the measure of the upper echelon for some reason. Yeah. Well, I think those people <laughs> that can crush in a living room, if you see them live, you yeah. have a crazy experience. Yes. Yes. Um, because they're good enough to do well in this handicapped yes. environment of special because yes. recorded stand-up is awful. Yes. It sucks. It's not meant to happen. Um, yeah, Conan, Conan clips suck. A lot of really funny comics do Conan. Yeah. And they are I watch doing it and go, well. I go, <laughs> yeah, you've seen all of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, st- I used to have seen all of them, yeah. and now I haven't seen any of them. Um, but you... Those people are doing really well in the room. Some of them are crushing in the room, and you watch it, and you do not laugh. Yeah, I don't understand. What the, what are you arguing? Is that the, the, that, is that the for stand-up to be truly great, it has to work there. Yeah, right. So that because there, be your there's goal. a lot of people that can do well in person. Yeah, like right. A tremendous amount, and that's basically not- everyone we would even associate with in stand-up. If you put them in front of fifty people. They could have a really fun set. They could have a really fun night for the people. Yes. And they are doing stand-up. Yeah, but totally. But they are not special. Okay, right. So you're... But they are special. I mean, like, very few people could... Very few people relatively to the population of the country or the world could do that. So they are special. I mean, you're, you're saying, like, they're not special enough to... You're worried you won't be special enough to um, be uh, regarded nationwide as a success. To actually... No, it's not even about to regard. To make money? It's, it's no. to actually be good. To well, actually you understand be that that's, You understand that, that is a, that's, like a, that's, a, that's a term you need to define. Actually be good, actually be great. For me, it was a... It was a difficult to quantify, but understandable observation just internally that yeah. I had of how most people are doing relative to one another. Yeah. And it just it just became clear to me that because of all all the time we spend in our heads that there are people someone like Jamie Carbone. Like he's a funny comic. He yeah. can crush. Yeah. Like really crush. Yeah. Very funny. But like to me, Jamie Carbone, like myself, was like in the middle. And they were just, in actuality, an average comic. Because yeah. anyone of moderate sanity who puts in consistent effort will be able to do what him or I could do. Sure. Okay. And yeah. But but what was frustrating about that is like, in both of our cases, the people that were around us that were part of our non-real but sort of like what felt like very concrete hierarchy of who is good, who's on the come up. Like <laughs> yeah. either of us could have seemed like we were a messiah. Of course. At, at the right time. point. At the right, yeah, the right, at the right time. And, and this we, is the coworker coming to three dead and being like, what? Yeah. 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 Who are you? And, and in those moments and you go, you I'm the messiah. That. And you want, you want that. Yeah. And 
I could not, and I still can't. Could not, would not, in a shoe? Could not, would not? I couldn't reckon with the fact that that was not the case. As it became clear to me that not only am I not the best comic in the world who's been doing it for one year, but I'm also essentially just a run-of-the-mill stand-up comedian. You've been humbled. It lost its appeal. No, you've been humbled, right? I, of course, it's it's incredibly humble. Now, I'm not. What what about and and as we've discussed, you and I discuss this all the time. Is that I am the positive one who goes, "What could go wrong? This should be great," you know. But what about what about a humble Max Friedman doing comedy? Wouldn't that be better? I'd prefer to watch that. A well, humble Max Friedman to be. I'm, I'm definitely humbled at this point. But sounds like it. Uh, I don't think, I don't think I would have the drive without the lunacy okay you've lost the lunacy and you're worried that i don't know i'm never going to be able to get to that point again where i was like two years in where everything was magic and i needed yeah. to do this or else i was going to die yeah, yeah, yeah. and that that was the only thing that <laughs> for a while there you were gonna die remember before you got yeah. any decent job and like we'd all just eat eggs together in my apartment because you were starving yeah i'd be like come over for eggs yeah, i made people eggs just knew that i wasn't eating enough at open mics and they would yeah. like bring me spaghetti and they give me food <laughs> Buddy Healy did that all the time. <laughs> Bring you food like you're a, like you're a homeless person, like you're a charity kid. But I I cannot get back to that. Uh, like, it's scary to me the the thought of starting a new stand up thing and going into it jaded, and right. and not being able to have that initial like. Like something in that Carl Ove Knausgaard book he talks about is he says when you're young. Which book again? Sorry. It's called My Struggle. It's My like a Struggle, book. which is the translation of Mein Kampf. Yes, it was is. the problem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's he has a lot to say about that. Okay. Gotcha. My <laughs> Struggle. Um, yeah. But he um, he says when you're young, there's all these things in your life that are much too big for you. They uh, they occur at a scale that is much larger than what you have only experienced life as. Yeah. And there's also things that are occurring that are much smaller, um, like physical things, but also emotional things yeah. that you're not aware of, just such nuanced things. And one of the things that happens as you age, especially when you start getting to your 30s, is you start developing methods and tools for taking the things that are too large and making them smaller in your head and making the things that are too small and magnifying them Ooh. so that conceptually you can put them in your head and eventually you reach a point at which you've gotten everything to the right scale <laughs> and then time starts moving very fast wow and okay i'm sold i got to read this book my struggle. it's amazing wow and wow uh I worry with stand-up that when I first started doing it, there were all these things that were out of scale to my understanding of like being a human. Yeah. And <laughs> it made the whole thing seem magical and permanent. And I truly brought all of those things to my scale. Yeah. And now that they are there... I can't go back in and experience the same magic. I would simply be going to open mics and trying jokes, hoping for this, like, chase the dragon notion of, like, that initial thrill. Yeah. Because I don't think I can get 
the thrill again. And really that was what was appealing to me, the thrill. And so, yeah, now that it's at scale, you'll treat it differently. You won't be able to treat it with the reverence that you once treated it with because it's, it's, you've brought it down to scale. Now you're just talking in a different part of the room. Oh, facing the other way. Now you're just talking. And it's like, if you love doing stand-up, then by all means continue doing that. But I didn't like just in and of itself want to just continue that when yeah. that, that, that initial like, like difficult to make a tax on for feeling this like this combination of like oh i don't know if i'm gonna make it but like i gotta work really hard yeah. and people are starting to fucking get it <laughs> like that i will never be able to have that feeling again yeah uh, and well that's i'm you know what and the, i i mean like and i know that i'm relentlessly positive and i can't stop it but i think i want to hear stand-up comedy from that max who is he's coming at it from that point of view who goes, this is just a thing that I have to come do so that I have something interesting to say to people so they'll talk to me afterward and I can have a couple friends. Um, yeah, I mean... Th- I want to see a set I, from I'm that sure person. I'm sure I could do well. Yeah, me too. I, I, I don't doubt that I could like get back to like being able to do good 15-minute sets. Yeah. But will you? You think you will? I don't know. Well, yeah, it doesn't even matter now. We're in the middle of the pandemic, which we have not been talking about, which is very good. It's boring. It's so boring, and there's only a couple of discussions you can actually have. But um, like, I could, cons- but I, I, I mean, I do think in terms of like maybe trying stand up again. It's like within a year, I bet mics will be back on. Yeah, maybe they won't, but maybe they will. If they were, like, they I'll will. be, I'll be done with my like classes I need to take before grad school, and like, I could just like every night go to mics in yeah. Milwaukee. Milwaukee yeah. has mics. Um, you're not far away. Yeah, I could go to Chicago. Although, like, I'm. I don't know. You're fondly remembered in Chicago, as I told you. Yeah. I would just feel odd, like. But if you give it a month, it'd be normal again. I would feel like this, like, weird pariah. It'd be normal again in a month. You'd be making new friends, and you'd figure out who is who, and you'd figure out who to be nice to and who to not be nice to, right? Yeah. (laughs) But it would feel synthetic. Yeah. Um... I mean, th- th- that, that was what I was dealing with when I was going in and out as I was quitting. It was like... The fakeness. Yeah, I'm not I'm not actually... I'm already out. I'm just just trying to milk a little bit of juice out of the right, it's mostly like going, empty bag. It's like going back to uh, your girlfriend's place. It's like we already decided this wasn't a good right. idea, but this experience right now is going to be something, you know? But it's profoundly disturbing. Because, to, yeah. Well, and I, and I just think that, like the experience of being 30 is like you can't you are you the 30 now when you i'm 31 you can't recapture a sense of wonder yeah it's done watch me i think you can have kids i think that's the that's what you did and i I think it's a good idea do you are you gonna have kids i would like to eventually awesome oh my god that's an appeal to being a physician's assistant is like no problem I'll, i'll I'll be taken care of. I'll have work forever. Yeah. Um, health insurance for really you and your family insurance. forever. I'll be yeah. taken care of. Go to retirement. Like, yeah. I could, like, just have a family. And, like, it's that's a completely unglamorous thing to do, but I think it is, like, that's a thing that, I don't know. 
unglamorous, but it is uh, undeniably rewarding. Everyone says it's rewarding. There's no question. Yeah, I think it's like a, a raison d'etre. Yeah. Raison d'etre. Raison d'etre. A raisin d'etre. Mm-hmm. We got a bunny in the, f- in the. We got a bunny over here. Yeah, we get them hanging out. That'll just happen. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Well, that sounds like a good place to end it. Okay. Do you have anything else to say? No. All right. Um, thank you so much, Max Friedman. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> You're my oldest friends. You know that? That's, that's weird. You're one of my oldest <laughs> friends. I mean, like one of my oldest friends who I still am super friends with. You know? Yeah. Um, and you're a genius. Okay. <laughs> okay. Turning off now. Should I turn it off now? And you're a genius. And you're so smart. And I think okay. you're so funny and everyone talks about you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. That's that's Max. Thanks for listening. That's the episode with Max Friedman. He's got nothing to promote, so don't worry about supporting him. Uh, maybe donate to your local um, essential workers or healthcare workers or something because Max is busting his butt as a CNA right now. Um, so shout out to Max. Good good work. Uh, theme song, as you know, is Steve Girard, who records music under the name Sofas, S-O-F-A-S, so beautiful. Uh, and Rudy Schultz did the logo for the podcast. Um, if you liked it, which I hope you did because you're listening to the last uh, two hours of it at this point, um, please just review us on, on Apple. It takes two seconds, and it's like a huge favor to me i really appreciate it thank you i'm saying thank you right now preemptively oh thank you so much oh thank you a review thank you very much thank you so there's that you can play that back once you've done the review um if you didn't do a review then you don't deserve that that thank you so um um uh don't listen to it skip it skip it now skip it now or uh, share the share the share the stuff on instagram you know how it works thanks for listening uh uh you're the best uh, and i'll catch you next time